You're listening to Savage Wonder, a podcast about warriors and artists. This show is a long-form, one-on-one conversation with a veteran in the arts. This show is produced by Veterans Repertory Theater, which is a tax-exempt, nonprofit 501c3 organization, which provides a platform for talented veterans to create compelling live theater and events. Okay, so I got to start off this episode with a caveat. I just finished eating because um, I had a long conversation with this week's guest, Jeff Bosley. At the end of it, I was starving. I had to eat something before I came back and recorded this intro. So if I do things like what I just did, which is pause and take a cough break, that's why, because I just finished eating. Okay, that's one caveat. Uh, The second is that Jeff and I were dangerously close to firing up the lava lamp, breaking out the hookah, and turning it into a real late-night dorm room bull session. Um, This was just one of the most enjoyable conversations I've had on the show. There's something, and I'm thinking about my conversation I had with Dave Meadows a while ago as well, there's something about a soft veteran that becomes an actor that seems to to generate a really interesting conversation. And I'm, I'm completely thinking out loud here. Um, but my, my, I was thinking about this while I was eating. I think what it is, is you have such depth of experience from the soft world and then couple that with the self-awareness, the sense of, um, perspective and the sense of being in the moment that acting that the acting skill set lends you and suddenly you have a really interesting prism a really interesting uh, filter through which to look at the uh the military experience that uh that Jeff and and Dave and guys like that come come with so i think it just leads to a really interesting widespread um <clears throat> multifaceted conversation and uh, I really just enjoyed the shit out of it. Uh, I so much, so many things that I'm still thinking about from our conversation. And I'm sure I will continue to think about uh, for a long time hereafter. Uh, just a great time. Really, really enjoyed the shit out of it. I think you guys are going to enjoy the hell out of it as well. Um, we really didn't set out to do a long conver- that long a conversation, but fuck. Once we got rolling. Um, yeah, just really fun stuff. I'm not going to make this too much longer. We got to wrap this up because you guys got a great interview to listen to. So without further ado, I'm Christopher Paul Meyer. I'm the artistic director at Veterans Repertory Theater. And this is the Savage Wonder of Jeff Bosley. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, good to be here. <laughs> Dude, so, I mean, we were just talking off off air before about the setup and everything, and I'm now kicking myself that I have not been ambitious enough to do a YouTube show. You're, wh- are this your home? Is that where you are right now? This is, yeah. Like, um, I, I my, my girl, my, my better half, she, uh, I told her when I set up, I literally walk around my, my room with my house with a laptop going, it might feel weird in person, but when I look through the monitor, the laptop, I'm like, Oh, here's a good background. Here's a good background. Here's a good background. But if you can actually pull away and see this, I am jammed into the corner. I got a bookcase over here in my right <laughs> armpit. 
but you're, I, I got you're suffering for your art. Polished. Yeah. I got a turd polished back here. <laughs> it looks very planned. <laughs> no, I know. And I've, I've always been the other way where out of laziness or inertia or whatever, I'm like, yeah, whatever the backdrop is. And our general manager threw up this flag behind me. There you go. In kind of a janky way. And it ended up kind of working. And I was like, great, but yeah, it, it works. But yeah. There's um, this guy I follow. He's into fitness and he actually out of defiance he actually uses like the the auto backdrop you know how it can yeah. kind of mad out the backdrop yeah and it's like a, a 80 or a 70s wood panel backdrop with oh. this really janky air conditioner and oh, that's yeah. the fake backdrop and he's got like something like four million followers See, because he's just like he's like i'm not here for this I'm yeah here for what's, i'm spouting you know I, I love i love that move i think the only thing braver would be if the backdrop was just an unmade bed I feel like that's that's the thing that nobody wants to ever show is that you know it's like I just know. told that to Betty because we're like setting up hers. She has one Friday, and I, I she, you know, she doesn't need Mister Alpha male insecure poster background, you know. So I like we have this cool spot, and I was like, I don't know if people want to see our bed in the background. That seems kind of odd, you know. <laughs> it's I think that's honestly why everybody gets the backdrops is because they're all in their bedrooms and like. Ah, oh, shit, yeah. my laundry. You know, all those things you take yeah. for granted that you don't notice that people are looking at. Until you um, go, yeah, yeah. Until you go, lie. until you go into it. And then you're like, oh, son of a bitch. I'm that yeah. guy now. Yeah. I had that. I had my first, we're going to get into actual stuff here in a second, but oh, for sure. Um, but I had my first like social media snafu the other day where I made the tactical mistake of <laughs> deciding that I was cool enough to do a reel at 1130 at night Ooh. and set it to music. And I started to get messages where people are like, what's with this like wannabe sexy thing that you're doing and li lying in bed? And I was like, oh, no, dude, I was on a beanbag. But I get now looking at it, I'm like, yeah, it did probably look like I was yeah, in bed. And somebody was like, did you just have sex? And like, you're look looking at the camera like, fuck, dude. Now I get, And they're like, how does this help vet rep? And I'm like, all right, I'm an asshole. All right. <laughs> Fucking 86, this goddamn video. I just, yeah. I'll so embarrassing. I'll, I'll, I'll do all that crap. And then I'll, I, for some reason over the years, I've unfortunately uh, developed a presence of mind to look at it through three different sets of eyes in a way. Like, cause I'll, I'll post and whine and complain like, like a little 15 yeah. year old girl. Yeah. But I'll, when I go to actually dedicate a reel or dedicate a video, I'm like, okay, how would this look to my friends? How would this look to my mom? How would this look to my, and then I'm like, didn't pass muster out. <laughs> But there are days where I'm just like, ah, ah I should have censored that one. No, listen, and, and I was trying to go the other way because I feel like sometimes I'm too tightly wound. And I was like, hey, look, this is free for man. Kids are doing these reels all the time. They get tons of looks and all that. Like, I, I can do hard. this. Son of a bitch. I'm like, oh, no, can't. Yeah, I'll never no, be a teenager again. That's, that's <laughs> the, all there is to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, dude, so, yeah, I mean, the setup I like, um, it's very cool. Well, if you look too close, I had to pull the ceiling sconces out because they're shooting straight down. So I had to yank them and shoot them in the back. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, because that, that is what looked that's very cool. It, it, yeah. I mean, it actually looks really well put together. Um, yeah. And that's kind of a weird thing because you are on. I mean, you're on like three podcasts this week. I feel yeah. like everybody's talked to you. Like you talked to my friend Ben Bueller Garcia with yep. American War Radio. Yep. Right. I mean, you've talked to a ton of people. Is it because of the Green Beret thing? Is it the green? Is it the Green Beret actor and the cognitive dissonance? And people go, "What the fuck? We got to find out what's behind that." What's the yeah. trigger? Do you think? I think. Yeah, I think that's it. I think honestly, um, even though for me, it's like it seems like I'm used to it now. Hearing that, it it, it sounds like a fake bio. Like I'm not unaware of it. Like there was this girl I was dating in Colorado, and I told her I was actually on my way out of being a Green Beret, transitioning into being. I was in the firefighter academy. 
Right. And she's like, you're, you're just seriously catfishing me here. I'm like, I know I'm not that awesome, but yes, these are real things. <laughs> so I think, yeah, on the, on the, the audience end, if you will, I think a lot of people are like, this seems just off. Cause I mean, you and I both know there's still, there are vets in the arts. Sure. But for some reason to the, the lay person or dare I use the word civilian, literally or metaphorically, the civilian of the, they're like this, we, like if I said seal an actor that probably wouldn't be as spicy, but only because a lot of people don't know what a green beret is. They might know. Right. So, and then if it's the, like you said, the vet community, it does have not in a pompous way, but it does have enough of a anomalous nuance that people are like, like you said, they're like, I gotta, what? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and and it's definitely, and it's definitely that you were, you were in and then doing the firefighter thing. And I mean, not to gloss that over. I mean, that was my first job in the army was an army firefighter. Awesome. Which is fake, mostly, because Army has no idea what to do with firefighters. But, but I mean, to win the Medal of Valor as a firefighter, that's a pretty big fucking deal. Like, I mean, that, that's, let's not gloss that over. Yeah, like, that's yeah. actually, so I mean, kind of, yeah, to, to hit each of these wickets in a way that <laughs> it's like, seriously, you're, you're actually this dude. But talk about, and I'm, I'm jumping kind of to almost what I really want to spend a lot of time in. Um, and we can back up and flesh out this picture a little bit more beforehand. But, what does that mean in Hollywood? What does that mean? I mean, I lived out there for eight years. Um, yeah. I, I know the struggles of acting and going through you know, the trials and tribulations of the audition cycle yeah. in LA. I didn't have that kind of fucking resume, though. I mean, what does that mean? What are the misperceptions and what, what are the frustrations that come with that? I would say that it, it does, fortunately, because I think a lot of the business, especially when we're there and young and not known and famous, you are trying to find every um shiny object trickery you know yeah. there's lying and then there's just like trying to navigate the game and your and brand really tr- what's yeah, your brand yeah, branding right? yourself yeah. and really yeah. trying to just like stand out and, and find those little gimmicks and i hate that but it got to the point where i realized those are the things you kind of have to exploit and so it works because of that shiny object syndrome they're like i don't know but it doesn't sometimes it hurts it especially the vet thing because i think without getting political, but you can only imagine a lot of barrel chested freedom fighters aren't exactly the tribe, the casting director pool of Hollywood is. So sometimes I got to the point as my, my time in LA went on, I realized how to read the room. know like, Hey, I probably shouldn't be going to a Disney audition talking about, you know, hide my tattoos, probably mm-hmm. shave because there's a nuance. So you actually become like, it works in a way of, of, I don't know. For me, my maturity, especially the the world I was in in the special in the army, it was a little less caveman and a lot of people in you know human interaction. And so I was able to read like, hey, I should probably do this because this is a Disney thing. I know who this casting director is. Not I don't care about the beliefs and all that. But odds are, if I show up presenting myself as some like stone cold killer, right, they're going to just go down this rabbit hole of stereotypes yep. and assumptions about me. So it hurts sometimes in that sense. So I or I feel it hurts. It's not like I ever was told that. But I, it could have a, a detrimental effect. But then when it came to shows like, you know, SEAL Team and all that, I would just vomit that resume, you know, and and because it would help because they would at least be like, all right, apparently this guy can act. I think I've, I've been told I can. And he can also hold a rifle. So it would help. Right. But the two flip sides to that is, is you and being in the Army, you know, like you have kind of a control over your fate where we come from more or less you're like yeah, uh, if yeah. i do this i'll get my green beret 
So that was awesome. And that's how I'm wired. So it sucks to go to an industry where you're like, I can work 110% for 12 years and get zero returns. And it could, it could possibly be have nothing to do with you. So that hurts. But the flip side of that coin is I call it, I say this all the time. My spectrum of suck is Hmm. so much wider now. (laughs) So like I can take, I'm like, Oh, poor me, princess feet hurt standing in a trailer playing pretend for the day. I'm getting paid, right. to, but you know, like, so now I'm like, you know what? It's not that bad. Right. So there's like four things that help and hurt each other at the same time. It's just always trying to keep in mind as I age body mature and career mature, which part to plug into that, because they can also really work against each other. If, if you don't have a little bit of self-awareness. There's definitely something to the idea that I can't remember. I'm trying to think of who said this or how they said it. So I'm going to paraphrase and probably butcher it, but somebody said something once to the point of, um, if you've had a career in the arts and I think it's specifically in acting uh-huh. and you leave, you will always be successful because your motor is used to being switched on. You're used to trying, but suddenly you're like, wait, all I have to do is do this. And then I get that. Oh shit. There's an actual yeah. reciprocity in this. There's a transactional That's nature of this, yeah. right? And um, and so that makes total sense. And if I'm, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were an actor before you started as an actor, right? I was a theater nerd. And so yeah. that's, a li- that's that whole weird resume of theater nerd, literal nerd right next to me is a Star Wars and a stack of comic books and a Darth Vader statue. And then I went to do Green Bray yeah. shenanigans. And so yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, and it's, it does do that. Like now, if I go work, if I work at a ranch shoveling crap or taking, you know, doing horse tours or horse lessons, I am there for eight hours. I get paid one-to-one ratio reciprocity yeah. for my eight hours of time. Yeah. Yeah. So it is kind of a weird relevance. And it's also Hollywood has that own, it has its own spectrum of suck. I'm like, oh, I can actually get paid for my time. Right. You know, God forbid right. I put food on my table, putting eight hours of work in versus driving around in LA for six hours, hustling for an audition and you get nothing out of it other than lost time, money and gas. Right. So it, it's very weird. When did you, wh- what came first? The warrior nature of yourself or the artist? Well, um, that's a brilliant, that's to literally the first time I've been asked that. <laughs> that's a brilliant question. Huh. Um, I, I was always the kid that lived in disreality. Uh, you know, every kid played pretend, but I always had this weird, um, I always like had this weird, some people would call it maybe, um, you know, like envisioning or vision board or all that, all those little Mm -hmm. Oprah secret nuance crap. But I was just like, I was always in this weird state of fantastical existence in my head. So, you know, it might've been just envisioning something or, or, or going, Oh, this would be cool. If, you know, I'll even do it now. If I'm at a stoplight, I'm like, God, that'd be really cool if they're bank robbery right now. (laughs) So I always lived in that thing, but I always wanted to still be, and I've said this before and I, it sounds really janky, but I've always wanted to be GI Joe, you know, and, 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 and I've always had a friend of mine in college, actually a theater nerd friend of mine. She said, I have this white knight syndrome and I love, it sounds so, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I'm, it feels icky saying it, but I love protecting people. Like I don't wish harm on anybody, mm-hmm. but I love if, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's maybe it's old fashioned wiring and it's not a, it's not to be sexist, but I love it when a younger female friend of mine, who's like a sister figure or my literal sister, or if, if that woman needs protection, I cannot wait to swoop in and, and, end 
whatever's causing that problem yeah. or, yeah. you know, and that obviously is, it doesn't take a psychologist to realize why like special forces. I mean, literally our motto is to free the oppressed, help those who can't help themselves. So that was always there. And it, I think they always were just battling each other. And then I just found a way to try to do them both because in special forces, some of our jobs was to basically play a character Sure, and, sure. and, and that helped. Um, and so God, that's, I would say I was probably an artist for first, um, to answer but, the question very long, but they're kind of, um, what I'm picking up and I don't think this is unique. I think maybe sometimes the world doesn't see it this way, but I feel like it's all coming from the same impulse. Maybe the warrior and the artist in your case, at least that it, it right. That you're kind of, you're, you're deving out the superhero you wanted to be, but it, it composes all of these things yeah. and it's, it's all of it. And you're just fully actualized. I found a, yeah. I, yeah. That's I, I will agree with that. I would say the seed was the same and I just found a way to do it in actuality and then also get my fix so to speak in yeah. disreality and they both you know i mean down to the down to some other nuances i mean i'm not like a x games adrenaline junkie but i do love the rush of being alive and acting sometimes would do that some you know especially live theater stuff like to me that was way more like holy crap <laughs> there's a lot riding on this and yeah. that was a fun rush, you know, and I won't compare that rush to jumping out of a plane, but they both had, they were in the same category of, like you said, like they do mm. feed each other and they definitely are the same seed. You know, that's probably one of those weird trees when you go out to the park that looked like it got hit by lightning. <laughs> and it yeah. Did, yeah. 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 <laughs> so <laughs> no, that make that makes a lot of sense. Then what was your first, let's call it official acting. Was it in high school? Was it in grade school? When did you get bit by the bug? Um, well, I would say in grade school, I had to do, we had, I went to, uh, I was very fortunate to go to a private school, nothing like uniforms and Catholic church, but, um, we had like Christmas plays. So I mm. think that's pretty normal, but I definitely loved doing it. And as much as I'm an introvert here, I loved being, I don't say the center of attention, but I loved being part of the entertainment aspect of the center of attention. And the very first thing to this day, my dad will love, loves the story. My mom loves it too, is, um, because again it was a religious school so it wasn't exactly it was a little straight you know yeah and i remember for halloween my mom had she should be a makeup artist in hollywood she this is pre all the stuff you can buy now yeah. she made my face melted like freddy krueger we 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 had a glove that could have been a prop replica <laughs> so oh, for halloween shit. i went to this grace lutheran church in school <laughs> dressed as freddy krueger and anybody knows freddy krueger he's the son of a thousand maniacs parentheses his mother was raped in a insane asylum <laughs> so not the best but I, I always had that bug to be like a little bit more than just playing pretend and in uh the christmas play i played a jester i had no i had one line to feed the king and i i was like i you know this from that like live theater like there's no small parts yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so i was like i decided to rig my pants for when i did the cartwheel till i completely dropped you know, and I put on like my dad's boxers, so I wouldn't be like too gross or whatever. And I did the cartwheel, and my pants dropped, but nobody knew it was going to happen. And you could see all the live, the the high eight cameras laughing and shaking. Who was recording it? And the whole it took forever wow. because everybody thought it was a real kid who just had his pants wow. dropped in front of everybody. So that'd be the childish one. But it, I actually didn't in high school. Um, my dad, to his credit, was very much good about like do what you want with your life. But I only saw he was an ER physician, and I saw so I only saw academia i only saw that one-to-one -one huh. reciprocity so i was like well high school is to prepare for a sport or a sport i'll play or some sort of degree in college that's going to get me a job 
So in high school, I actually didn't. But then in college, I was like, oh, I'm going to take an elective. Took a theater class. Then that bug, I kind of allowed myself to go to that bug I knew was there. Right. I kind of always consciously put it off. So were you an athlete in high school? Were sports the major yeah, focus then? Played, yeah. Okay. Sports. I mean, I had like high, high grade, like a, I was an on, on, on a roll and all that crap. And, uh, um, I was, I played soccer. I was a goalkeeper in soccer. Okay. And, uh, I did, I had played soccer since back when I, in my day, we didn't have, we still played on regulation size fields. So right. you could be a little peewee guy trying to defend a hundred yard soccer field and a dang 10 yarder. I don't even remember how the dimensions of a goal. But I've been playing for forever at that position, but I sucked in the field. So the the coach just said, just Bosley, go stand in the goal in the goal. And then that took me, like I played in Europe and like I, I really, so goalkeeping was a big thing, a big chunk of my life. I played year round and for MVP teams. And, um, but I knew. And this, was, was this in high school that you were playing this in was Europe? in high school. Yeah, this was in Holy high crap. school. Holy crap. Wow. summer I went to like this. It sounds cool. It's cool. I played for this all-star team that was from, you know, picked from from the States to play in the summer in, in Europe and Holland. And so it was cool, but I had, I knew I wasn't like, for some reason, through some passive pseudo motivation from my, my dad, I was like, I'm going to college to go to school. So I didn't look at colleges that had a soccer program or any other programs. So it just kind of wasn't going to be there. And, and uh, what did you, th- that. really, why? Uh, in retrospect, college was a waste of time. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't dis, I don't knock college. I, I want to finish because I have probably enough co- credits for a PhD and I just hate not finishing something I started. But I mean, we all can speak on, I mean, we can micro the hell out of that conversation about like the trades. Those are the jobs, especially yeah. after COVID, you know, what yeah. was truly revealed to be needed. And those are the jobs I get more value out of, you know, I mean, like my sister, yeah. she needed to go to her college degree for her degree. My dad obviously needed college to be a doctor, but you know, I mean, I remember even like other green berets trying to transition to agency jobs yeah. that had to have a degree yeah. and they didn't care what it was. <laughs> there was zero reciprocity, but they had to have a degree, stupid. you know, know. And that stuff know. is, so that's stupid. So now I look back and go, God, I, I didn't do good in college because I was so distracted by this shiny new life. So I wish I would have had a sport to like focus on. So like I kind of just a big mistake I make in life is always I run it at a sprint, not a not a my pace is always a sprint, not a not a jog. I'm bad at that metaphor, that sprint not a marathon or life's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. I go give myself a heart attack (laughs) in every avenue. So yeah. Sports would have slowed me down. Yeah. No, that that makes a lot of sense. What did you think you were gonna do? When you went to college, what was your major? What, what you, how did you I was pre-med? Like, okay. So you were going that pre-med, way. Pre-med. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to medical school. And, uh, I, I wasn't a partier. That's what's worse is all my friends that partied <laughs> and do all the, did all the college life. They're the ones that finished yeah. the degree. I just remember watching a lot of like Spider-Man <laughs> and I don't remember many good classes, but not because of drugs or alcohol. I just was, I, I didn't. I was there because I was supposed to be, not because yeah. I wanted to be. Yeah. You know? So I really wish I would have joined the military right out of high school. You know, that would have woke me up. I I completely empathize with that. That makes a ton of sense to me. Um, yeah. yeah, and and yeah, that's a whole other discussion on the on the value of college and and why that's, <laughs> that's such a, a knee jerk response podcast. to go there. It really is. Yeah. Uh, but but definitely, I I can completely see that. You take the acting class though. What are the second and third order effects of taking that acting class? Did something start happening? Was yeah. it just psychological that happened for you, or did you start taking steps 
I started when I first took like my first one, I was like, oh, this is a nice way to kind of get my fill. But I kind of was still like, I'm here to be in pre-med, even though I'm yeah. or in academic world. And I beat that horse to death for almost four years before I dropped out of, I, I, I got an amazing scholarship for my academics. My parents helped and I'd been saving money for college since like sixth grade mowing lawns. So I had it kind of broke into thirds. And by that, by the end of my four years, I was out of the money. My grades were just absolute dog crap. And I was like, I drop out. I'm going to be a personal trainer. And then I was like in the real world. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to go try and find an agency. And that was, just, I was trying to do so much survival at that time. It kind of took a dump on me, took that year off working all those jobs. And then the final acting thing was when I actually went back to my Idaho college and got in-state tuition. And I was like, I'm still going to be practical. So then I went sports medicine and I took an occasional theater class here and there. But then just finally I auditioned for a show there. Um, and I started double majoring in theater and that first audition and that first I landed the lead. Thank God. That's where I was like, I didn't have a plan, but I was like, F it. I'm only going to focus on this. I took theater one-on-one like three times just cause I liked it. Wow. And I had no, like I took so many redundant theater classes <sighs> because I just wanted to keep taking it. I was like, I don't yeah. care. I'm not even going to get a degree. I'm going to exhaust all my finances, wow. all of my scholarships and just take something I enjoy. Like I abandoned getting the degree. I just took it almost like a, almost like a, almost like a, like a scene study class or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Beat it to death, even though it was, you know, Idaho state university. So that was where the bug hit. And my plan was just to keep taking them. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. Sadly, which was, it's not how I'm wired. I'm (laughs) more like plan and go plan and go. So So this was the one aspect of your life that you were being very free form with and just kind of take it. One step yeah. time. And wow. it, it lasted, uh, it, it's pretty stereotypical, but it lasted till nine 11 and I stayed strong. Like I was in a theater program audition for all the shows. I, if I did, wasn't in the show, I was on set, set design and set and crew and you know, the builds and the lighting and all that, like any aspect of the plays we were putting up, I was trying to be in, I didn't sign up for theater history classes, like all the classes he's supposed to take <laughs> to get the degree. Right. I only signed up for performance and construction <laughs> stuff. And yeah. then 9-11 happened. I stayed strong for like probably another year, maybe two. And then finally, I was like, I have to do this. I'm I'm going to be too old. And I always knew if I did that side of the world, the military world, I knew I'd want to do something in the special operations. And I then I switched to black and white. Here's what you do. You do this. Got you. This. Got you. Okay. So I, wa- I paused it. I want to get into that, obviously, a bunch. But before I do, I, I just want to fully dev out the acting piece. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. What was... What about acting appealed to you when you when you first dove in that pool? What was it that turned you on? Have you ever stopped and analyzed what it was? At the time, I like I have an answer now, and and it's it's canned, but it's because I have almost developed it as my like mission statement to remind <laughs> myself. <laughs> but yeah. my answer now is like I want to give people a sense of escape from wherever they need a sense of escape from, whether they need escape to get motivated, escape to get depressed, escape from whatever. And I love that aspect of performance, whether it's live or movies or whatever. Um, but at the time, there was a I haven't I haven't ever thought about it at the time why I did it. I I just I enjoyed if I was to think back at where my headspace was at the time, I would say I enjoyed getting lost in playing pretend like that same childish release of inhibition child. Like if you watch a kid play pretend in the, in the sandbox or whatever, if you have kids, there's no inhibitions. They're not overthinking it. They're not thinking about cell phone bills. They're not thinking about the problems of the world. Yeah. 
And yeah. so selfishly, that's what I got out of it is I, I'm a very, obviously I'm coked out on like caf- caffeine right now, but I'm very, I don't think I have ADHD. I'm not going to be one of those self-diagnosers, but I'm, I love going a million miles an hour at everything. And this was my, to beat that metaphor to death, this was my Adderall. This brought mm-hmm. me my laser focus on this one thing. And that one thing was highly rewarding. I don't think I was trying to escape for myself or some weird depressing mm-hmm. therapy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely did enjoy just being lost as you know, it's a very cliche in the moment. And it was the only thing that allowed me to live in the moment, even to this day. I mean, what we're talking yeah. I'm very much in genuineness, but I'm thinking like 3000 things, right? But when right. I'm acting, right. if, if I can actually turn the Jeff off, I love who I am. But the Jeff's the Jeffisms that make Jeff not the most ideal Jeff in my eyes, <laughs> are, <laughs> yeah. they turn yeah. off and I provide something for somebody else. I get something out of it. So the time it just allowed me to just not kind of just release and just finally yeah. relax because I, I am artistic, but I know the part of me that's not artistic is a billion percent the antithesis of art right. and relax and calm and find your spirit and your love and nature and all that. Right. So right. this was that one place where I allowed it to actually happen and, and it uh, provided me that. And at the time it just, it was the first time I leaned into it and just went for it. And, and that allowed me to go, Oh God, I'm doing what I want. Forget the degree, forget the, what I get out of it. And you hadn't been, you hadn't had any of that, even in sports, that same degree of focus. I think it had that same the sports gave me that. Okay. Um, like that's a brilliant example or a brilliant comparison. It was definitely there. It had that same performance high. Yeah. Like, they're, they're like athletes get, I, I don't I, jumping out of a plane, being in a firefight. There's something that, that has that common denominator in those things. Great example where, yeah, there is a, something where you, unless you don't like the thing you're doing, right. You're obviously right, going right. to think of five other things at the same time. Right. Yeah. Sports gave me that, but I was, it was never the same. Like I love at sports. I love doing stuff athletic. Um, but it, it just didn't tap into it for some reason. I don't know what yeah. happened to me as a child being raised by hmm. a great physician. My mom is arts, you know, she can draw, she's an amazing artist, but they never really forced it on me. So I think I genuinely just watched way too much TV like huh. genuinely at the root of it. I think I watched way yeah. too, much t- too much TV, way too many movies. And I was like, Oh, that's what I want to do. You know, my dad, since he wasn't a sports guy, we weren't going to games all the time. And so I just passively picked up on like, oh, I want to do that, you know, and I happen to like athletics. When you now are diving into theater and taking classes over and over, did you find yourself gravitating towards certain or were you open to anything? Like, what did you find your niche was? In my more immature days, younger with more hair and, and more, uh, what do they call it, The ingenue? <laughs> I, I definitely was ego acting. I, I definitely look back with a little bit of shame. I know and that's the one thing I hate about this world is, is, is purely aesthetic yeah. at the end of the day. But because we're not talking about our NASCAR, there's a sense of, there's an accidental sense of like, you arrogant asshole, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I say a lot of this with a little bit of reservation, but like, I know I don't look like Danny DeVito. So I know I'm not going to get cast as the small wiener sidekick. You know, I just know that. But in in college, for sure, I definitely was like, oh, I'm the ingenue. I must be the lead. And I I, I wasn't, I, I hope my friends can say I didn't have that air about me, but I assumed I was going to get the lead. So if I didn't get the lead, I was like, mother, how dare they? I was like, I am the lead. That's to this funny. day, one of my best friends, it was a small de- department. So there wasn't a lot of types. And since it's an academic department, yeah. they're going to do work with what they got. Right. I right. definitely know 
love them all. Me and my one of my best friends to this day, his name is Chris. We were the two, I'll use the word ingenue actors in the whole right. department. And right. Son of a bitch. If he got the role, I was like, I hate being your friend. <laughs> so at the time I leaned to those is because I was like, I like being first in everything. And for some reason I translated being the first, the biggest or the lead or the main character as first place. So that's interesting. Highly competitive wow. in the artistic space. Yeah. Uh, I hate not getting roles and I look at it competitively. Like this silly Reacher thing was a <laughs> fan film I made to get the Reacher show audition. And I want to watch it because I'm a fan of the books. But to me, I look at it like I lost the playoffs. I'm not going to go watch the, the right. championship game. Right. I'm way right. too bitter and competitive. So that's the long answer to is I, I, I led, I went to the lead stuff. I definitely focused on that. That's really interesting. That's a, I've, I've never um, thought of it quite that way. And that makes a ton of sense. Did you find yourself at all drawn? How easy was it for you to fall into character? Or did you feel like the character was there to support you? If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it 100% does. Knowing what I know now and having experienced what I have, I would say I was being Jeff with just a little bit of nuance. Sure. So to me, I would look back and go, I was that was kind of possibly poor acting. Like if I get cast as a Green Beret or a Navy SEAL or a SWAT cop, I'm not, there's not a lot of stretch there, right, like right, present day. Right. I'll try to find some nuance if it's there, but I'm not going to be some like pompous steel. Right. I'm not going to make up some weird Nicolas Cage quirk just to be right. Weird. Right. But at the time, I think I was just more me. I was very virgin in my experience. And I was kind of just me falling into a character who happened to be a lot of Jeff already. And so it wasn't like a stretch, if you will. That makes sense. Yep. You know, like if I played one of my favorite plays, it was called Born Yesterday. And it was back where men wore fedoras and slicked hairs and, and great, you know, dressed good. So Jeff doesn't know what that's like. But I, I was the lead in the show. I was the love interest. I was the ingenue. And I kind of extrapolated enough that i was but it was still a lot of jeff but mm. now as the time's gone i actually i relish the ones that are anti-jeff you know because those actually force you to act and force you to grab your jeffisms and try mm. to figure out how to plant them into the non-jeffism characters and so but yeah at the time i i probably just fell into the role sure 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 <laughs> no i mean and, and, and i mean why wouldn't you of course yeah, yeah. and you yeah. know like the biggest one and, and two the ones i got the most high was from was like i played the dentist in little shop of horrors and that's not the ingenue lead but he still stole the show because he yeah. was larger than life so there was still a little bit of ego jeff was like i'm still the larger than life character. <laughs> but i mean i i definitely it wasn't it was i that was an example where i was like i realized i had to fall into that character because i couldn't be jeff as yeah. that character because that was so far-fetched that was so against Jeff, I, I don't walk around. Yeah, I'm a sadomasochistic dentist. Right. <laughs> they grew they grew my hair out like my beard, like some WWF wrestler. You know, I was very oh, not funny. Jeff. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. At the time, I was like, I this to me, I just looked at it like another lead role. But now I'm like, those are the fun as hell ones. You know, like playing who you aren't. Well, yeah, for sure. What turned you on when you were up there? What What did you live for? Was it getting a laugh? Was it connecting with another actor on stage? What what was it that turned you on? In the I would moment? say uh, it's it's a cop out, but a little of everything. I hate musicals, <laughs> although I've been in a lot, <laughs> so I didn't get a rush from singing. I was stressed out of my goddamn mind during the musicals, especially like Little Shop of Horrors. So I didn't get a rush from that, but I got a rush like in that case, like just being as over the top as possible. And live theaters, you know, it's it's instant feedback. 
yeah. you know and so yeah. there is something it, it's everybody says it but there's a reason everybody says it whether they're stand-up comics or theater performers there's nothing like a live performance yeah. you actually get instant feedback good or bad you know <laughs> so you take it or leave it so i got a that's what i got out of it definitely the laughs and all that but since i did get cast as the lead on new characters it's not like the audience is going to be you're not going to hear a lot because right. there's no play right. that really has you know don draper or saying or doing anything that right. makes the audience go gasp <laughs> right right it's not an interactive role yeah so those ones where i i really looked into and i really got the connection from the other people a lot like um and to a one of my theater professors biggest credits um he was the one that broke me from a lot of my isms to find that connection f being the ingenue screw screw mm. what you want you know and mm. actually just yeah, the amount of times i heard him go jeff just f and act you know he goes just stop because he knew he already saw the overthinking jeff jacked out of his mind guy and so he helped me see those connections and in a lot of those smaller black box theater plays we did yeah. we had no choice but to be connected with the other the actor or the actress and so those ones were awesome because i i lived for when you went off the stage between scenes and like you had to kind of snap out of it because you were so so cliche but so yeah. in a moment yeah i did those moments were awesome because that means i wasn't actually thinking and yeah. i was like uh, she's a great friend she's in a lot of the plays with me her name's nova her and i did this horrendous violent play and and i just remember i didn't like enjoy that part of it but it was we were so both into it because it was so intense and out of our realm of huh. who we were as people that we had to we kind of had to kind of brainwash ourselves into it because it's not like that's in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Like I can get lost uh, yeah, playing yeah, yeah, a green yeah. beret any day of the week because sure. I can just go on instinct. Right. And so those ones are out of our wheelhouse. You actually, it, ironically, you can actually get overthinking and into it more. So like I lived for those moments. If I wasn't getting the last, I lived for the ones where I was just, Holy crap. I can't believe I just did that. Or I, I like, what is it? The, uh, the Will Ferrell moment, like, uh, I don't know what just happened. I blacked out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so those are the moments yeah. I lived for, you know, it was yeah. really cool. What do you, looking back now, can you identify technically what your bad habits were? Oh yeah. Um, overthinking for sure. Um, okay. like it's great to, I think any actor should ask all of this stuff. Anybody that's trained in any technique or whatever you want to call it. You know, they're always asking why or what's the motivation or X, Y, and Z. But I would overthink it to the point where yeah. it, it, I was, tr I would try to de-art the art huh. as far as overthinking. Yeah. I would Jeff it up. And and this professor's name was Rod Hansen. Still is Rod Hansen. And he would see that overthinking. And he'd see me in one play. I would already be studying the lines for the next play I got cast in because I wanted that stuff memorized cold. And he's like, you will act because it's theaters, you know, you almost... No matter how good you are at memorizing in theater, it's good because of rehearsals. You almost, you'll inherently slowly accidentally memorize. Right. I would be sitting there memorizing line at a time, line at a wow. time through the entire play because I was trying to scientific, apply a scientific method to an artistic endeavor. Wow. So that kind of isn't some all encapsulating bad habit. Like I had some Jeffism quirks, like <laughs> it's like you're giving away all my tells. But like I have a like stoic, like there's a thing I would always do. And I, I look at it now and I'll like some stoic Joey from friends acting <laughs> where I look away, like, like, like fart acting. Like I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of and of. yeah. And yeah. there's something I'll always do where like, if Jeff is stern, if his character's stern and thinking, he's always clenching his teeth and you see his jaw muscles pop. I'm not aware I do it, but it's yeah. definitely is yeah, 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 yeah. where, yeah. where it's like, 
oh, Jeff's being Jeff. <laughs> you know, it's so I would science the art is what probably that makes is. a ton of sense. And and I, I mean, I'm, I'm jumping ahead because I know you studied at the Strasbourg uh, yeah. Institute, and I know Lee Strasbourg was you know a big fan of the idea that whatever eighty percent of acting is relaxation. Did you yeah. ever have how how big was relaxation for you on stage? Was that a thing? Because being an athlete, being a type A, being somebody that's thinking a lot, yeah, you know, I can see that for at least in my experience, that would be something that would tighten me up and that I'd be on stage and a little too rigid. But how much of an issue was that for you though? It was because I was younger and not overthinking the life I was living in the real world. Um, it wasn't as much of a conflict. I no. I'm still who I am now, but that was Oh, I just turned 45. So that was yeah many years ago when I was 18, 19. Well, when I went, when I was in theater in college at ISU, I was in my twenties. Um, so at the time I hadn't let cell phone bills or debt or just the yeah. crap of life build up. So I was, I was a little, the, the relaxation was allowed to win a little easier. Mm. Whereas now, which, so I could find that athlete focus or that athlete woosa. It was very similar. You know, I could actually turn it off as needed. Um, you know, cause in college nowadays, it probably is different. Like back in my day, I didn't have a cell phone or I didn't have a cell phone right. bill, you know? Right. So my, my stresses were a little bit less. Right. Um, but now, which is part of the reason, ironically, Strasburg was so great and so hard for me was I've, I, as Jeff and I've allowed disproportionately and proportionally allowed the things I outside of in life, cell phone bills, debts or whatever, I allow that stuff to really weigh me down and do the opposite of relax me. I'm very poor at it, completely, very admittedly, um, dysfunctionally poor at it. So that's why Strasbourg and their very high focus on relaxation was great, but hard as hell for me because I've created a monster of disrelaxation. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, so I found I did need it because I've allowed all these bad habits or bad ways of handling my boohoos to affect. Like, you know, they always say, and I always hated it. We're like, oh, casting director can tell if you're stressed or if you're begging for the role, if you've had a bad day. Right, right. And I was like, I've, I've been shot at and been relaxed. I can do this, <laughs> you know, but there is something you can tell when somebody's had a, a crappy morning or, yeah. so I, I'd like to think I can hide some of that crap and bury it and get put on a pretty good facade. So maybe I am in like when I'm going to buy gas and we're talking to somebody to counter to an electronic store, I can probably put up a pretty good facade. Yeah. Yeah. But if I'm expected to perform for X amount of time, that's where Strasbourg really helped go. You need to, you can't be this amped or stressed or yeah. unrela unrelaxed and expect to do, even if you're playing a very similar jacked up, energetic, stressed character, like that might help in that case. But even then you have to like, you have to kind of neutralize yourself and get a clean slate. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard as hell. I knew it was needed. I know it's needed. I know I need it now. Um, and it was, it was, it is, and was super critical, especially cause I was in LA as you know, if you're not an LA type, just waking yeah. up and going outside your apartment, you're automatically like, Oh God, I'm at a nine, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I haven't even gotten my car yet. So yeah. it, it yeah. took a lot. And I was definitely, I think the instructors there, not cause I'm awesome or like amazing, but I definitely, I'm sure they talked behind my back at lunch breaks and stuff about God, Jeff, I was like, that guy just needs to re f and relax. Wow! Like there was yeah, yeah, exercises. Yeah. I just, I just, uh, cause I was there. I'm like, I'm paying for this. 
I, I don't care about my ego anymore. Ironically, I'm going to, I'm not going to like just swallow. I'm going to like debate or not put up a fight as like, I refuse to do this. But yeah. I, I now was asking why, like, well, they're like, just relax. I'm like, okay, now I get, I get that, but tell me why help me learn because I want to figure this out. And, and I would put up a fight because I was like, I'm not just going to, I'm not going to do it because you say to, I'm not. Yeah. Gonna yeah. And that comes sometimes across as combative and opposite of relaxed. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm great. <laughs> I swear to you, instructor, whoever I am praying for relaxation. I'm not against it, but I need help. <laughs> you know? It's so funny. Uh, I, I can totally relate to that. And I wonder, yeah, it's so, it's such a weird thing. I, what do you think? Do you think you can, I feel like acting is one of those things that sometimes the harder you work at it, the worse you will become. And it's so counterintuitive, especially for people that are used to putting in the work and seeing the rewards. hundred percent. Yeah. I think you're right. Like you can't guys like us and people like us, I think <laughs> the harder you crank on a nut on a bolt, the tighter it's going to get. It's, it's yeah. like caveman one-to-one results. Uh, and I, I, I always tell people, I'm like, I would rather break a bone than tear a tendon. Like you fix it, cast done. So I'm very much of that. Exactly. Like it's a beautiful observation. That's I'm very much like, I want to do something. If I work harder at it, it should give me better results. And it's probably like, I'm sure painters or artists, it's not like you can draw harder. Right. You know, right, 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 right. Do it better and harder and more intense. Yeah. So yeah, definitely is something where you can't like there's work. Like I don't want people like, I'm definitely not one that says like, Oh, just let the universe figure you out. Right. Right. You have to sit down and work hard and memorize lines or, or memorize, you know, especially in theater, memorize your, your marks, sure. you know, your, uh, your, your moves. But yeah, it's, it's definitely, I'm sure there's people that can pull it off. I'm sure like it happens every day of the week, especially in film and television, you can phone it in right? and editors can, I would still to this day say editors can pull some crap out of some, like some, you don't have to be good. <laughs> you yeah. Can, yeah, I, I very specifically did a Tyler Perry TV show, and I was I did wasn't off book. I was so poorly, like embarrassingly out of character, prepared, unprepared, and I was sweating in between takes. I was angry. I'm getting mad. I just vomited the line. They edited it together and it looked completely fine. It wasn't like an Oscar winning performance, but you would have never known it was to this date the worst day of my wow. life on set. Wow! And so, like, you can work hard, and that was a day where it was pure work. There was no artistic relaxation or dropping into character i was just jeff trying to muscle through it like like cyberdyne cyborg guy <laughs> just trying to vomit these lines out in some sort Fuck. of believable way that's like an actor's nightmare what, what was oh, going on there was. to come in like that that's rough it um i have no cool excuse but like i normally because it's tv shows a lot of times they'll do it as you may you literally those who are listening may or may not know oh sometimes it's in chunks so you don't have I, I, I want to be memorized because that just make, means I'm a professionally prepared person. But if you remember, I know my bad habit is to be so memorized word for word. It's hard. I've memorized in such a way it's hard to deviate the performance. So I kind of find my sweet spot to be like Jeff prepared, but not so Jeff over prepared that you are rigid. Because I do know, again, I'm not an, I'm a rigid looking dude already. And I was always playing a rigid guy. <laughs> so I was self-aware to do that. And um, it shot Tyler Pan's. <laughs> And that, they, I guess that's a very LA thing to do is what I was told. I didn't know that, but we went, he was shot in Atlanta and he actually pulled me and the two new people on set 
or on the for the day for that that series or that episodes those episodes he pulled us aside he, i lied i said i was from atlanta he's like hey i just wanted to meet all you guys it's good to meet you guys I'm, I'm i love that you guys are locals because a lot of those la people we quit looking at them is because they come here and they're unprepared and they just kind of wing it with their lines they're not memorized but we shoot like theater we shoot the entire scene and with you guys you know he goes, I, I've noticed a lot of Atlanta people, they're used to that. We're good for that. So as long as you guys are writing off book, we're good to go. And I was like, yeah, that's great, Mr. Perry. And I went back to my little dressing room. I was like, oh, shit, I'm that LA guy. <laughs> and I'm just trying to memorize cold as fast as possible because sure as shit, he wasn't lying. They shot the entire wow. scene. Like the whole, for those who don't know where they're listening, like theater, yeah, you start. And if you, the only time you're off is if your character goes off stage, like, and that's essentially how he shoots. Whereas most TV shows are like, all right, we're going to shoot on Chris for a while. He's got all his lines. Jeff is going to say his lines. I can literally be looking at my script because they're over my shoulder. And I was counting on that little handicap. And he didn't. He had all his cameras set up. And he just, he just goes, go. And I was like, wow. Oh, shit. So I didn't have two lines. I, there was no like over the shoulder shots. And it's probably worse feels worse than it was or he probably would have fired me <laughs> sure sure it sure it's definitely uh unprepared like it was that i've never forgotten that i'll never let it happen again yeah sure. what did you reach for technically was there what technique uh, like was there technique that you could lean on to help you through that or was it all grit it was grit it was it yeah. was i'm so competitive and self-deprecating nobody can do near as good a job at it as i can and that was pure or uh self-motivation it wasn't like oh if this is me like i i lost there was no oprah secret whatever there yeah. was nothing it was just pure rage and um the people could see my one of them guys since became my buddy but they could tell that i was like guys i'm so sorry this is unacceptable and they could tell it wasn't just me going oh i'm so sorry i'm not prepared they could tell right. i was livid at myself and so like it's cool man so they helped a little bit but and I don't have a memorization trick. Uh, I still, to this day, I don't know how I memorized some of those plays. Because as you know, like, there are some times I was like, I didn't leave stage for like 90 minutes. Yeah. I can't memorize a song right now. Right. <laughs> so right. that was right. just sheer grit. And wow. I had enough prepared. And because I, ironically, because I kept fucking up, yeah. we, kept, we had to do it so many times. It was kind of like I got a little mini whole bunch of mini rehearsals because he had to start over so many yeah. times that I accidentally got my lines finally right. Uh, but yeah, it shouldn't have okay. taken that long. And and if anybody knows that that's how they shoot soap operas too. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not rewarding. It's, and there's, there, there's nobody that can learn lines like a soap actor. That to was their credit. No, yeah, the they're fucking animals with learning lines. It blows my mind because yeah. yeah, they do it every day. Like those leads that have been there for 30 oh. years. Uh, yeah. That, and I think that might've been, the soap opera thing came after the Tyler Perry experience for me. And so I was, I was like, ah, I'm ready. I won't have this. Yeah. 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 They do. They, uh, they go in there. You shoot it. And like, Oh, that was good enough. Out. What soaps were you on? What's so, what's uh, what soap one? Was it one life to live days of our lives? I think it was days of our lives. I played yeah. Costas. He was, uh, whoever the main actor is, is he's actually Jennifer Anderson's father. He's been on okay. since the dawn of time. <laughs> right. I played right. his little lackey, which was hilarious. And somebody, and this is a funny little backstory, and I'm sure you'll appreciate I know you'll <laughs> appreciate this. I always heard somebody gave me this really crappy gimmick of if you're a side character or whatever, knowing what I know about like behind the scenes and editing and the little bit I've I've gleaned off of friends that do a lot more of the construction of film. If you can't edit a face out, you're going to be in the shot. 
So it's not like you just lean in and like force yourself in the shot, but I had to put this guy in a chokehold. Um, and then the main character, the soap, will like had to like yell at him and all this crap and typically chokeholds or arm bars, or if you're just like doing the movie chokehold in the uh, back, you're kind uh-huh. of off a little bit. So they could have zoomed in on him and right. just seen my chest. Like they didn't need to see Jeff Boss. Right. Right. But I did my line right into his ear. <laughs> and then I stayed next to him in this really sexual cheek to cheek way. <laughs> <laughs> that the director loved because it was big giant and i had shaved yeah. clean and i had my hair slicked and I, I looked like this younger weird looking don draper yeah um, yeah yeah. but i it, it which was weird to be like a little sensual <laughs> and there's no way they could edit my face out because i was right in his cheek and because they shoot soaps that way they're like oh no no don't do it again so we got our lines right the first time they're like all right next setup and a good friend of mine, she, uh, in, when I went to college in Idaho, she was a huge fan of, I think it was Days of Our Lives. She's been a fan of it since like she was in like high school. That's how long it's been on. And she texted me. She goes, so I saw you on, on the soap opera. It was kind of hard to miss. And no disrespect to gay stuff. But she goes, kind of hard to miss the new gay Jeff I didn't know was gay. Because <laughs> you really loved that man in that shot. <laughs> and I mean, it is, it is a little erotic. That's hilarious. And it worked. I was like, I'll be damned. That shit works. Just (laughs) lean in. And they're like, this is too uncomfortable. We're not going to change his direction. This is awkward. That's like (laughs) the next step from, uh, do you ever see uh, extras? Ricky Gervais is extras. Exactly. When he's leaning into the shots all the time as an extra. (laughs) That's like the next level of like trying to squeeze yourself into the shot. Yep. Fucking love that. Exactly what it is. Oh, extras is right on. It's fucking hilarious show. Yeah. Spot on. So, um, no, I was going to say, um, do you know about Sterling Hayden? Do you know who like that is? Should. No. So he he was the, most people know him as the cop in Godfather, the original Godfather that gets okay. shot in the chest, you know, that punches Michael Corleone in the mouth. Is he a big character actor? Like, yeah. So okay. he was, he I was a huge, like, well, huge is the wrong word. Cause by definition, he was a, he was a, a B actor. Um, he, okay. he did a lot of B movies. He was in Stanley. He starred in Stanley Kubrick's first movie, the killing. It's a okay. great flick. Um, but he did like a lot of noir stuff in the fifties and all that big strapping dude. Well, <clears throat> I talk about him all the time because I'm, I'm endlessly fascinated with Sterling Hayden. So he was a Marine. He got attached to OSS during world war two, ended up fighting against the communists in Yugoslavia. So he fought <laughs> with the communists against the Nazis. So he became friends with Tito. There's, um, there's like these fascinating interviews he did with I Tom Snyder yeah. in the early seventies, yeah. where he talks about going to Tito's funeral and all that. Anyway, he famously said, um, you know, he went against the Nazi U-boats and everything. Like he sank Nazi U-boats and everything in the Mediterranean. And he's like, you know, that was a rush. It didn't totally freak me out. He's like, the only thing that's really ever freaked me out in life. And this is my words, not his. He didn't mm. use the word freaked. He had a much better, <laughs> classier word for that. But but he was, I can't remember. But, um, but he said, uh, but the one thing that's always frozen me in life is the close-up. And the second that that camera's right in my face, I become wooden. And he said, I've always hated my career as an actor. It's why I never could be a big star because I freeze on the close up. And when Robert Altman cast him in The Long Goodbye in 1971, 73, something like that, yeah. um, because Altman shot you know, across a parking lot, yeah, exactly. suddenly Sterling Hayden was freed up. And he mm-hmm. plays this em- Ernest Hemingway-like character and is okay. fucking phenomenal. Really? That's because awesome. this virtuoso performance it's yeah. a great it's a great movie and he's phenomenal in it but 
it's but you look at him and then you look at his earlier movies and you're like holy shit he really was good he was just always frozen up because of the camera so i say that to say because i think he's just such a i mean such a great template i think for so many accomplished military personnel that would aspire to go into acting or that are actors to look at and look at that juxtaposition especially when we're talking about relaxation and it's like it's such a different animal and i'm saying all this in form of a in hopes of finding a question in here but i mean to you like when you hear stuff like that how much of that do you relate to is there a sense of like you're on set and you're going motherfucker i'm a combat veteran former (laughs) sf fucking firefighter you know decorated all this stuff why the fuck can i not get this like you know what what is kicking my ass about this scene why is this so hard or why can i not let go and just fall into this character is there are there yeah. moments of that? Do you find that with yourself sometimes? Yeah, I absolutely do, and I think a big part of it, very assuming a lot of things about me and uh, people like me, is we come from a world um, where ego and brute and strength and all that. Whether you're an athlete, but I'll just focus on my background. That gets you results and or sometimes for a lot of people, that's kind of their default mechanism mm-hmm. is to just bow up and and tough ram through it. And I think the like you said, the close up intimacy, literally or metaphorically, it doesn't care. It doesn't care yeah. how big your muscles are, how big your awesome tattoos are, how many kills you have, how how badass you are. And and I think a lot of people. I'm not knocking anybody, but if you take that was for me and like in our on our team on our ODA, we did a lot of things. Um, sounds super fancy, but it's not. It's called ASO. It's called Advanced Special Operations. ASO, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of for lay people. By no means, since you know what ASO is, you know I'm saying this to be simple. We called it Jason Bourne teams. So it was a little bit. It was a lot of pretense, like intel gathering, not you know, like not spy stuff, but for the sake of very so the jet burst. For those yes. that don't know that, it, yeah, yes, they should know. A little bit, Burks, yeah, hopefully. you're not pretending to be, uh, you're basically not pretending to be like, I wasn't like trying to be a reporter, but I was also just doing everything possible <laughs> to not look like a Green Beret. Right. So I was really good at that stuff. And I, ironically, I think because of theater, because I didn't care, but like our poor uh, weapons specialist, you know, he turned into Terminator. Like he's like, I am not an army soldier. No, I am here buying coffee, <laughs> you know? And I was just like, I, I'd, I'd buy cigarettes. I'd act like a student down in Colorado. And, I think because I watched it happen on the flip side is it's, it's really weird to be a performance or a live, like if people have to do speeches or live talk, I'm not saying I was gifted with like a godlike ease into that stuff, but I, I fortunately for whatever part path I had in college and in the theater or whatever, I could see it from the two sides because I inherently felt that pain of that weapon specialist because that's inherently who I was. I wanted to bow up. If I just flex harder or shoot harder or push harder, I could normally, that's my instinct because I like it much easier. But for whatever reason, I could actually relax and see, do that close up and turn off whatever ism that was. And and I think that definitely is, it's ironically self-defeating because like you said, a lot of that, these types and myself included want to just, like you said, brute through it. Yeah. And, and It'd be to me, I'm not Mr. Martial Artist, but to me, it'd be like, I don't actually, I'm, I'm starting MMA again and I'm older and way more broken. I care way more about technique now. So it'd be like me trying to go fight a very high, high end skilled jujitsu guy. 
that's half my size, he'll still kick my ass yeah. because it's about yeah. ease and inertia and redirection. And that's all acting is in those close-ups and all that theater shenanigans, whatever you want to call it. Like it doesn't give a shit how strong you yeah. are, how tough yeah. you are, how badass you are. And I'll find myself even on set or on an audition or something. I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not like this perfect Buddhist Yoda here, but I'll be at auditions going, Motherfucker. I used to do this and I can't get this god dang non-speaking part that doesn't even have a name on IMDb. And I'm just like, mother, you know, and so I'll yeah, find myself yeah. in those pity parties because of that. And it sucks because it's it's I I don't know if that's a competitive driver, sometimes unhealthy, because it's weird to have lived a life and then live a life that doesn't isn't exactly it's almost like when people had businesses back in the Mad Men days, obviously it sounds like I'm obsessed with Don Draper and Mad Men, but those generations, those guys came yeah. back from war, put yeah. on a suit and yeah. put on suits and started very executive esque businesses. And for some reason that work that they were like, Oh, you were in the war. Come work for us at this ad agency where like they, they, there was a value to it. Yeah. And not like they expected it. And that's where, you know, the greatest generation, because they didn't expect, I expect to be an ad exec because I was in right. War. Sure, but it worked, and I think there is a weird. It's probably an ego issue, where we're like that. And some people, you can see it. I've actually seen it in the vet community with a hands with handful of experiences where there is an expectation of like, you should favor me as a vet, right? And and it, but they also suck as an actor. <laughs> and it is right. weird to there is a weird. I used to be vibe, yeah, uh, to go into something that's so doesn't give a shit. You know, yeah. this job, yeah. that close up doesn't care if you're an elite surgeon or it doesn't right. care if you're one of the most famous bodybuilders in the world. Obviously, if you're a famous musician or an athlete, they'll take it because like, oh, we can market and package this. Right. right. But get rid of all that, the business side of it, those close ups to use your your story. They don't care who you are. Yeah. And the human ego, mine especially, doesn't can't compute that. You're like, wait, I'm 45. I've earned. I've done stuff. That doesn't yeah. that, doesn't that mean anything to you? And like, no. Yeah. You you're giving a speech or you're getting this close up for your example and doesn't care what you are and it's it's really castrating. It's a very neutering feeling. You know, it it, it really is shuts you the f down. Well, and and it's it, you've definitely picked a line of work, not even just acting writ large, but specifically to be in L.A. as an actor, where you are playing. It feels uh, as much as your resume can help you. You're also you, you the tectonic plates of what the values were that got you that resume are completely different. You're on a completely different terrain, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and it's, and it's, a it, it, I can see that being, um, disorienting or discouraging at times when you show up in an audition, this was, this was my LA experience that I always found jarring, but you'd show up in an audition and there's 40 of you. And you're like, yeah. fuck, I hear, I thought I was this super unique person. Motherfucker. <laughs> you guys are all me. Do yep. you have that? Does yeah. that happen for you? It um, I, I've used that example constantly. I, I be like, again. I know I'm not Danny DeVito, but I know I'm not one of a kind. But also being six foot six, that did narrow it sometimes. There weren't right. a lot of six foot six guys. Um, like if they're specifically asking for six foot six guys, because I if they didn't ask, I don't tell. Like if they don't, if they, I, I know this show or this whatever probably doesn't want the actor to have tattoos, but they didn't ask, so I'm hiding them, and that's their problem for not having said it. If they're asking for some sidekick that for some reason my headshot tricks them into letting me audition mm. and I show up and I'm a foot and a half taller 
10% body fat less and way more muscles. That's their fault for not saying we're not going to take these, these physical right. features. Right. So assuming all those things aside, yeah, you're right. The hallway would be full of clones. And then that's where that slippery slope of like, I guarantee none of these guys were green beret. That's right. not help. Right. And it doesn't help. You know, it, it, you are, whatever you perform that day. I mean, that's the one thing as much as I love having control of every aspect possible. And ironically, if I know I can't control something, like if I don't have legs and I can't dunk a basketball, to me, I can compute that. Right. Like I can right. figure that out in my head. Right. Like it's it's completely out of my control. And so then it, as I, I would look at those things where like, like you said, it's a hallway of clones. Like yeah. you realize you're nothing. So yeah. it could be, and then I, as I got to meet casting directors, like one casting director goes, oh God, that guy just reminded me of my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> I, I can't stand his performance because of that. And that made me realize over the years, I'd see these things. I'm like, there's a million things outside of what I walk in for with that I can control. I can brute force through whatever I can Jeff, yeah. I can yeah. Jeff. But outside of that, there's a bajillion things out of my control. So all these guys could be clones. One could have schmoozed better. One, I could have schmoozed too much. I, I, they might not like blue eyes. I don't, you know, so like I count on those things in those clone scenarios, you know, and it happens a lot because especially when it's a narrower casting especially if they want six, like I've, the ones I get a lot are if the ones that I have a bit, huge chance in are the ones where they say stuff like must be six, five or taller. That really narrows the pool right. because I do know from experience, not being presumptuous, a lot of those six foot six big guys typically probably haven't hung out in theater and Strasburg and all mm -hmm. that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I have that. I, I, I know it's a slippery slope. I'm like, well, I still deserve it because I'm six foot six. And I'm a trained method actor. They don't give, they don't give a <laughs> right. shit. They might right. see that and go, oh, good. This guy isn't just a WWF wrestler who can't string right. a sentence together. Right. But it gets you in the room. It, yeah. yeah, it helps. It, hopefully yeah. it helps. Um, so that does make me feel better in those clone scenarios. Um, but like you said, they don't care. And at the end of the day, there could be, I mean, I'll, I, I use this as an example. It sounds like I'm a poor loser, which I am. But like that Reacher TV show, the fact that I got an audition, yeah, it's supposed to make me feel great. And it is awesome. But they're only like, for the, they wanted a new face, so that opened up a little bit more. You didn't have to be a famous six foot six right. actor, so that opened it up, and I was like, "Holy shit, I got a chance!" But they picked a guy; he could act it better. So I'm not dismissing. Maybe my right. acting sucked. So let's dismiss skill. But like, he's got a little bit more of a resume. He's a known asset in a couple TV shows. Of course, even he, he could be a shitty actor as a producer. I would cast that guy because he's going to bring in at the end right. of the day. It's all about their money. Right. So that helps me tolerate those clone scenarios is like, yeah, this sucks. We're clones, but maybe my confidence in like, well, I was a green beret. You weren't maybe that yeah. will help with the character. Maybe yeah. that won't, or maybe I got to brain dump it. But yeah, I absolutely find myself going, I guarantee this guy didn't do this and this and that, you know, Oh, look at this pretty boy. I guarantee he was born in the Valley. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know, and, and that is a hundred percent true. I, I love the juxtaposition between ego and the results and and yeah. finding that shit sometimes one doesn't equate to the other it sucks what do you think that your military career and, and especially going back to what you said about um you know asot work and all that do you think it's helped you be a better actor uh, it has now in my earlier years it i got caught up in the i, I probably admittedly i probably got caught up in the i'm owed this Okay. I might not have been aware okay. of it, yeah. but I definitely felt like there was a more of an, an, I, it was, it was a definitely subconscious. I hope 
um, that it was, I, I deserve this because not okay. because I'm a vet and my friends have died. It was just more like there was some sort of un, intangible, passive subconscious. I deserve this because I've worked really hard. Why wouldn't this work for me? Right. And right. The industry didn't care. It did, you know, yeah. people, like generically speaking, there are people that valued it. Don't get me wrong. So at the early on, I would say it hurt me because I, it, it was, it became like mm. you said, so jarring because I was like, you come up here going all oh, about this is gonna be easy. Not that I thought making it would be easy. I still haven't quote unquote made it, but it was the jar, like going from an 11, getting shot down to a zero. Yeah, yeah. That was a big fall. Now as the time's gone and I've learned the ins and outs and I've helped maybe be whatever bit of me, I can be better. It's helped that jar from a go from an, like maybe an 11 to a seven. Mm-hmm. So it's less jarring. Mm-hmm. So now it doesn't hurt as much as far as the ego, but as far as because like I said, with all those things you don't have control over, you need to have something unique out of that room of clones. I right. got to have something. Right. So I, I, that military career thing could be the thing where they're glancing at a resume. If they do a quick social media scan, it could also hurt me. They could go, sure, oh, he, sure. He's a, he's a gun guy. Bye. Let me so, ask, let me throw it to you in a different way also. Yeah. What, what about your actual tech, your actual skill set as an mm-hmm. actor? And I'm thinking like, for me just to give a frame of reference of because i'm not asking this question well yeah so i was acting and then i went in the military and i remember i think it was at ait or something and i saw a, I, I was waiting to get blood drawn or something and they had a <laughs> men of honor that de niro movie with cuba gooding jr oh yeah playing yeah, the on submarine there or whatever oh my god and i'm sitting the there watching arc. it and i was like I've never hated De Niro so much in my life I was like this thing fucking sucks i was like i don't know anybody that i'm sitting there looking around a room of uniforms and and everything and i'm like nobody fucking talks like this in the military yeah. like this is, the script sucks i don't buy any of the acting and all this and i feel like when i came out of um that environment i could be a better actor because n- not just for military roles but uh-huh. but just in general i was like just age experience all the rest of it made my understanding of the human experience better oh, and made okay, me a yeah. better actor okay. do you see that as well yes yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I get what you're going for sure. The military stuff. Yeah. I get to see, like, I can now see it through critical eyes of, I'm not the guy that goes, Oh, black Hawk down. That's not how that was. <laughs> right. 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 That's right. not what you're saying. And I completely agree. That is an aspect of like realistic performances, but yeah, like at least in my career, I wasn't just, I'm not knocking mortarmen. I don't know. I've never been one, but I wasn't just a mortar guy. So many hundred yards away, launching mortars and never interacting with humans. Right. So I think because I joined later, as far as my military career, I had academia kind of, whether I did it well or not, I lived in that world. Right. Um, and then I also went to the military world, but I wasn't an officer based, even despite on my age and my, how late I joined. So I was still a grunt in the world I was in. And at least in my part of the military, I had to read humans. I yeah. mean, you literally would, um, what's the, per- <laughs> the correct words, tactically interview assets and you had to read people. I'm not like an amazing like lie detector, but we <laughs> right. had to interact with humans. Yeah. I was just telling Betty we were watching um, 12 Strong, not the best Green Beret movie, but it gave a good template of, of what we did. Right. And I would tell her how we'd have to meet with, she's like, was that accurate? I'm like, yeah, we actually had to meet with warlords. They would right. play games. And if they were, they'd be mad if we were meeting with them armed. They'd be like, what, you don't trust us? So yes, absolutely. I have to read people, whether I do it right or not. If I had to read a warlord that's pissed that I'm holding my sidearm, but then I got to sit in his palace, I had to read the shit out of that guy. <laughs> yeah, right. And and then right. I've, it's created, like you said, it's uh, 
an awareness of the human condition because I will say not in an elitist sense, but at least my experience in the military, it was so much an 11 in such a unique, narrow experience that there's no way that I can't, that is extremely unique. So I can definitely take that and go, I guarantee this is un, this can't be uh, done anywhere else. Yeah. So was applying that to other, um, if you can take this giant thing, it's going to be really easy to apply it to a day. In, I can definitely take reading a warlord while I'm unarmed and he's armed and read a guy at the gas station. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very yeah. easy transition, like you said. And so it has absolutely helped me at least see those things. Not like critiquing a military movie. Like that's not right, what you're right, saying. right. That's not what right. I'm saying. But it helps me realize through like almost like we were talking before we hit record about what a post or a reel or something you post could look like on other person's right. eyes. Right. So it helps me see the other another perspective not so much like i get everybody's point of view but i'd be like from a performance standpoint i'm like oh i know how pissed i am when somebody assumes this is how a green beret acts or a naval mm, officer yep acts. yep so because of that template of awareness i can go okay how pissed would i be if i'm a doctor and i act jeff acts the way i assume a doctor acts i'd be pissed so it allows me to see that human condition at least have at least a, a count to 10 pause before i Mm. The stereotypes yeah yeah whether, yeah whether performance or just enjoying art like i love watching movies and so i try yeah. to give it that that beat of am i being overcritical jeff or did they maybe do the homework and maybe i don't know what the hell i'm talking about uh, maybe yeah, that's yeah. How these people really do act right so 100 percent, right, right. it, it did make me live a world whereas i think if somebody was 18 and went in the military they don't know what it's like to read people in the real world at all so it actually could be a huge backfire yeah, yeah. because the military is not the real world right but the real world is absolutely not the military yes so there's a nice combo hybrid that i got out of it because of what i did in the military and because i did it later after a college experience let's talk about that transition um going into the military so when 9-11 happened what was your response emotionally psychologically all the same as probably everybody else the whole um I hate, uh, the hate was there of somebody had the audacity to attack us. And then that was followed up by the, we need to defend ourselves or help those who can't help themselves. But I still at that, when I was, I was at a little age, later age in life where I, it didn't translate to, I must now do something. you know, I didn't mm -hmm. film in it right off the yeah. bat yeah. because I was used to, I was kind of getting used. I was in that odd spot of life where I'm like, oh, this is college. I'm going to get a job. Why pick a fence? Die. So like running the recruitment office and signing up didn't really register yet, even though I remember back in college in, in Washington, my, after high school, I did visit a recruiter a handful of times because I really felt like it was drawing me, but I just kept putting it off because of what it was, there was just an, it was probably fear, hundred percent fear because I was used to norm. I was used to comfort. I was used to what was a normal day in the life of my life and to go like, that's a big release to, of ownership to a thing so much greater than yourself. Which and is, was this the GI Joe thing? It. Yeah, was this were you drawn? Because that was before nine yeah, eleven. So was a GI Joe that was drawn you? Was yeah, it that there okay. was something. Yeah, there was there was still there's always been something to do it. Um, I mean, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be in the army, but yeah. I was also always watching a lot of movies. Yeah, so they were kind of yeah. battling each other. But so every once in a while, I'd go poke that bear, and I'm like, and I think genuinely the fear and 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 hesitation and intimidation made me go. I'm going to go back to playing pretend <laughs> in college. You know, it was just a little bit safer, yeah, but the yeah. 9 11 was kind of like, for lack of better terms, the straw that broke the camel's back for me. I was like, I don't care how, I, I just know, like, this is 
this is beyond. Yeah. And I was getting older and I was just like, I, I, I like, I hate regret and it's such a cliche, but regret sucks so bad. I'm so good at regret. I didn't want to add to it because I'm, I'm going to be good at finding more regret later. I'm, <laughs> if yeah, I prevent yeah. a regret, that was it. And, but I did admittedly, it drug, I drug it out for maybe about a year. It wasn't like the next day for me. And that just, that regret was just chewing at my brain. And I just, I just couldn't take it anymore. So I just felt finally like, I hate regret. I hate bad people doing bad things. And depend, no matter what you believe, somebody did bad. Somewhere in the world, there's people that need help from bigger guys. You know, um, beliefs in war and combat and bureaucracy. Yeah, that stuff's all horrible. But I do know there's bad people doing bad things to good people. And luckily, I could do that. Maybe, you know, in spite of what may or may not have prompted it, I don't care. It gave me a chance to do that. I didn't avenge 9-11. I guarantee that Jeff Bosley did not avenge 9-11, no matter what branch of right. theory that exists. Uh, but I know I did good stuff. And so that that was the tipping point was to just finally do that. So did you go in as an 18 X-ray contract? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's that was the one I don't want to say regret, but my best friend, uh, he was in the military forever. He was a 101st and a rock son. And he was always like kind of like my go-to for advice. Mm -hmm. And that was one of his big ones. He's like, don't be, don't do the x-ray thing. You're, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to yeah. miss a lot of what the general infantry has. And he's, he was right. He's hundred percent right. But I didn't have, I personally didn't think at the time I didn't think it. And I still don't, I didn't have the shelf life to do five or 10 years of infantry going in at just sub 30 already. Um, yeah. I, I, I was very confident. I think I am. I do have some regrets still, but I still think the lack of traditional 11 Bravo 18 Delta path. I still think I com compensated by just age, maturity, life experience, and whatever mm -hmm. Jeff could bring mm -hmm. to the table. I mean, there's a hundred percent times where like our first, I'll never forget our very first literal mission after we landed. It was almost the night we landed. It was the night we landed. Like we landed, got our bags and grabbed our gear. Cause they said, top load all your body armor. Cause we're probably gonna do something the minute you land. And I was like, oh my God, it's finally happening. Yeah. And our, our team starts and goes, all right, go check the, the BFT, go make sure it's booted up. And me and the other new guy, he was a young 18 X-ray who he was a, he's an amazing soldier. He's still in, I think, but he exuded the kind of too young and mature, immature guy to get into the X-ray program. He was kind of like, he was good, but he was the example of why people were hesitant about the program. Mm -hmm. I was his counterpart by career. But I was almost like 10 years older than the guy. Right. And he's like, right. you and um, I don't say his name, but you and so and so go check the BFT. And we confidently, just like any Green Beret, we're like, got it. We walked out and we're like, what the fuck is a BFT? He's like, I don't know. And we're like, um, he pointed to the gun truck. So maybe it's on the gun trucks. <laughs> <laughs> and and to his credit, he's a he's a sketchy little dude. He, he basically, he basically reverse psychology psyops some people as he's walking and he's like, <laughs> I won't do him justice, but the gist of it was he'd saw some other people like, ah, we're going to get a BFT, those stupid pieces of <laughs> crap. And then he got people to converse about it. And then we finally were able to decipher it Come was the laptop, on. the blue force yeah, yeah. laptop yeah. in the gun truck. But they're like, yeah, I hate when that laptop closes when we hit bumps. We're like, okay, it's a laptop. <laughs> 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 that was the moment I remember explicitly going, this is what Jared was talking about. This is the shit they don't teach you in special forces school because it's kind I of guess a that's right. Door. Yeah, yeah, no way through the pipeline do they ever talk about a BFT, I guess. The, or right. the normal yeah. stuff, like inventory yeah. and all yeah. that. 
yeah. that's the one thing I don't I, I can't I won't speak ill of it, but I I I think it was always been a thing for like cadre and and long, long time green berets. The pipeline is obviously immaculate at what it does, but it also doesn't train you for team life. Like my first day in the team room, I was more lost than I was the whole Q course. Like huh. I, I'm a mature, relatively yeah. smart 18 Delta. And I was just lost in the sauce. It's not like I want to like, you know, team life 101, but right. it definitely was weird. You know, they're like asking me stuff. And like, so there was a lot of deficiencies that probably were normal for a typically uh, right. uh, 11 Bravo. So there were definitely days where I was like, oh, what have I done? I don't even know what I'm talking about. You know, I was like, let me do 18 Delta stuff. <laughs> right. Let me do that. Right. Just let me right, do that. Right. So right. yeah, that's the long answer to I, I went in the x-ray program. Um. <laughs> I guess I, I, this is such an obvious question, but I guess it bears asking, I mean, how did it feel when, when you're suddenly now you've done more than dip your toe in the water, you've plunged all the way in when you're actually in SFAS or, or when you're in the queue or when you actually get your beret, was there a moment, how did that feel? Um, how did that feel to do it, to go, holy shit, I'm actually doing it. This thing that I've thought about, that's been kind of this amorphous you know, concept, holy shit, this is actually it. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was the sense? What was the psychological, emotional takeaway from that? It, um, <laughs> it, it was the weirdest thing. Cause I look back, I don't know if you do the same thing, but I look back, like, even if I'm referencing like the 90 minutes on stage, how, like, how the hell did I memorize that? <laughs> how did I do these right. things? And that's just memorizing lines on a stage playing pretend. And I look back and especially the Delta program being, seven times as long or whatever right. and obviously the physical blah 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 and i look back and if somebody's put a gun to my mother's head and said you got to do it again i'm like i would do it mentally i would give it my best but i was like i don't know how in retrospect i did that um and at the time it's i wasn't like a amazing badass I, I i did what i did and i think i did it quite well but there was such a just look down and keep trudging along that I was almost unaware the whole time. Obviously, it's so long. It's like I was in a in a trance the whole time. But it because it was so long and because there was so much almost dissonance to the reality of the present, everything mm-hmm. like I was just like, oh, I'm in school and this sucks, or I'm in you know, our little pseudo ranger school, this sucks. So when it happened, it was the first time I felt like I remember a seer school and the day we donned the green beret, those were the two where like that inertia of holy fuck. I can't, I was aware of what I'd done and I was aware of the moment of what, what I'd achieved in the moment. And those were the two. Uh, you actually got me speechless for the first time in this whole podcast. (laughs) Those were the two where I allowed that, that inertia hit me and I actually felt to this day, still a sense of pride and, and an exact compliment of a, a sense of uh, accomplishment beyond anything I'd ever, ever said. And to me, those, those pride and accomplishment still aren't words that, that even do it justice, but those were the ones where those, that's how I felt was just, and I think nowadays pride, especially in some other communities, pride has a, almost a negative connotation like arrogance. And this was the purest form of pride for me and the purest form of accomplishment um, I didn't give a shit about paperwork. The beret obviously has a symbol, so I gave it. Right, right. Somebody will kill me to get that beret out of my hands. Um, but there was a sense that sense of pride and accomplishment were, like, yeah, <laughs> at the time and now. But at the time, like, I, I was trying to act, still act badass. But 
in in un unstopping tears like it was just in, impossible to stop yeah so there was a sense of like doing something so grandiose and with that pride and accomplishment came a, a heightened awareness of something bigger than me like it, it was very surreal for me to be so so acutely aware of myself and that pride and accomplishment but have that be juxtaposed within this giant global aspect that was just beyond my recognition and i can say that now easier because we are now living in such isolated self-centered lives good or bad and like that, that was so you can see stuff better from the outside in looking back reminiscing nostalgia and i think that was a big part of it that i might the global part of the time i might not have been aware of like the bigger than myself thing for sure um yeah that's how i felt <laughs> yeah no that make that makes a ton of sense yeah yeah um did it feel like your life would never go back to the way it was? Did you ever think you would go back to acting? Was this now going to be a career? You talked about not having a long shelf life to do infantry, yeah. maybe beforehand. But I mean, going in later, did you think, no, this is it, and and you've made an irrevocable choice? I I did. I just kind of assumed that was the trajectory. It was just like, oh, this is it. Um, it was it was almost embarrassingly childishly ignorant about like and here's what i'll do when i retire here's what i'm gonna do in huh. 10 years or here's what i just was like this is it I, for uh, rare for me i was kind of data timing it um but yeah i definitely wasn't like okay and then at a certain time i'm gonna retire and i'm gonna go give that acting thing a try um i just figured okay finally you got a job that has a career insurance you know retire die take care of your family at the time i was married i was like okay then got it everything's checked just keep going until you you're you're told to stop basically and then so yeah i had no plans on stopping that um i definitely didn't think i'd go back and then um a giant career not ending but a career make a decision injury made me made me finally go oh so here's the thing that says now you do need to make a decision and that's where um to a handful of people's credit particularly some people i have in a tattoo they, this was after I had now at this point divorced and everything, and it was just me and a dog. Mm -hmm. And they knew how I was wired. They knew Jeff was very much like, I am control of my universe. I need structure and design. They said, this is the least amount of uh, strings attached to you you'll ever have in your life. You kind of got to reset. You have this giant injury that you could go one way or the other with. You could stay in. You could go out with a clean, clear conscience. Um, and they could go. And then they said, and I still stayed strong, like just that side of my brain that said, I must have a normal job. I still, that's why I still transitioned into firefighting. I'm like, nope, still got to do a normal thing. You know, I got to be less green bray, but I still need a job that pays the paychecks and I have yeah. insurance. Yeah. And it, but it slowly just finally fizzled away after a divorce and it was just me and a dog. And they just said, no, you, you, we know you wanted to try this. The same as the green beret thing. Like it took nine 11 and even I drug that out to finally go, I will regret right. this forever if I don't try Right. You know, it took the injury. It took us fight playing along with playing Mr. Firefighter for a minute. And I was like, I'm going to regret not trying this stupid go to LA scenario if I don't try. And because I didn't have a wife and kids and all these things that would make that a nightmare, you know, that was where I was like, okay, now because of these things that happened, I will change that trajectory. But had those weird stack up of things that never happened, as far as I know, I would have retired as a Green Beret. Like I had no, I had no reason not to. Was it scratching every itch you had to be in SF or, 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 or was there still a part of you that was going, boy, I cut off, you know, it's like, I'm doing this all with one arm. Like, well, there's a part of me that's still left in acting or in the theater. It was, uh, it scratched, I would say most of them. 
Um, I think the whole chase in the Green Beret, the 18 Delta, like the Delta courses, and then ha- being a Green Beret, those at least, those itches were so distracting mm-hmm. that I couldn't think yeah. of other stuff. Yeah. So I yeah. was just, yeah, it was like, I wasn't just working a nine to five at a tire shop. So I didn't really have a chance to go, ooh, what if? Where ironically now, because acting is more downtime than acting time, <laughs> right. I look right. back on the Green Beret stuff going, oh man, I remember, you know, it, 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 I feel like, I don't want to say unfulfilled, but you definitely have that itch. You're like, ah, did I get them all scratched? Yeah. You know? And so at the time it was just, it was just a sheer distraction. Um, sure. I always wished even more easier to say in retrospect, but at the time I, I always had wished I joined like just one step left earlier, whereas a little bit more of the cowboy days. Um, you know, again, I don't think anybody, anybody that is a true warmonger, they're doing it for the wrong reasons. But I, I felt like at the start of everything, especially in special forces, we could do a lot more and where there was, a, there was less bureaucracy and hamstringing. So I was always, that was the thing, I, the itch I didn't get filled. I was like, I felt like I wish I would have been one generation sooner. Yeah. So that, that itch has always been there. It's still to this day. Same with like contracting. You know, the contractors now are just like gate guards. Yeah. There's an occasional yeah. 18 Delta one that comes up. Um, but like, it's not like triple frontier, you know, no, right, right. right. Those, right. those, 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 those again, I don't 2006 know. contractor contracts. Yeah. Oh my Lord. Especially yeah, 18 yeah, Delta yeah. contracts yeah. were like, yeah. yeah I, so that's why I wish everything was just a little to the left. That's the one itch that never got scratched is I thought that would have set me up pretty good for, uh, satisfaction and just life. When you went into firefighting, then what was that transition like? You know, I mean, uh, do you see it as kind of a halfway house between that and going, getting back to acting or was it, or w- w- were you able to find some of the same fulfillment that you'd had? It was for me, I needed, uh, I couldn't conceive going back to, and I always use a tire store as a joke because it was my first job as at 15 was working at a tire store. So I'm not knocking it. I actually, I did that in college in the summers. I couldn't conceive going from green beret to anything quote unquote less, not in a higher than thou, but I knew I couldn't go back to working at a tire store. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also was freaking the F out about reliable paychecks and yeah. reliable insurance, you know, the real yeah. world crap. And uh, so it's a, not even an exaggeration. I was still going to our team room, doing team room crap, clearing posts and all that stuff. But I was also like doing Ferris Bueller, like, shenanigans going to the fire academy going oh, i have a dentist appointment and i'd spend the day at the fire academy doing our fire school and or doing the yes. fire test so i it, it it satisfied that need to be like comfort like you know paycheck and all that it seemed it, it fulfilled the camaraderie like the the oda team dynamic right. because it's you know four to six people right. on a shift 24 hours which was always good because i'm not a great giant team player like i can do it but it's not my preference is to be in a ironically considering the industry i'd love to be in i'm not used to i I like small intimate gatherings if you will yeah um but it satisfied that anybody that's you would know this and anybody listening knows that you all all uh politics aside you can't be a cop nowadays and be actually be a cop so i knew i wasn't gonna go into law enforcement again i'm not a warmonger but I also knew I couldn't be a, a cop that I would want to be as far mm, as just mm-hmm. the way I mm-hmm. knew enough people that were in law enforcement. And I was like, I, I think the Jeff, the Jeff I know will get more out of being a firefighter than a cop um, because it takes a special breed and all due respect to be a cop hundred percent. If they had an x-ray program for SWAT, I probably <laughs> would have done that. Yeah. Like, that would be yeah. the thing I'd, I'd kill to do like SWAT or like 
uh, like LA has a special enforcement bureau. It's kind of like their version of SWAT. Yeah. So I definitely would have loved that, but I didn't have the beat the street in me. I didn't have the, I didn't have it in me to be the new guy at late thirties yet again. Uh, which is why firefighting was a little hard. Uh, but firefighting is a little bit more camaraderie based and less like militant based. Yeah. Um, so it gave me what I needed, but it wasn't enough because anybody who knows firefighting is like 90% EMS. Yeah. And ironically, as much as I love medicine, I'm really good at it. And I'm a great bedside manner. I was burnt the F out on EMS. Like I was just tired of it. And that was good, cool 18 Delta medicine. Right. Right. All due respect. I, I didn't have it in me to do homeless EMS. I didn't have it with 80 year old grandma every three day calls. And they even tell you in the fire academy, it's not like I'm an idiot. Like it's yeah, their right. fault. they said, if you're here to be a firefighter, leave. Yeah. You're going to be an EMT that occasionally fights a fire. Yeah. And, right. and I, so I kind of like, it was, it was, a, it, it wasn't a panic move. It was a, I loved the job, but because it was so much EMS, because it did have a little bit of a panic move decision-making process, because I was like, oh, I can't have an overlap. I can't work at a tire store. I need a job. It just all happened so fast that it allowed me again, the circumstances lined up that allowed me to be distracted uh, long enough. But finally I go like, I, I'm missing this other regret. And, I, and, and the, the lack of fulfillment, um, as a firefighter, because like I said, it was all EMS, like if it was all fighting fires, which sucks because that means a lot of people are. Houses yeah. Right. Are lost, right. Right. That would be, it's not like Chicago in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. So it, 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 it gave me what I needed. Uh, but it definitely, the writing was on the wall that it wasn't going to be enough. Like I didn't have it in me to muscle through it. S- starting over is the effing, the effing new guy. It, it, it you don't have the resilience and yeah. I, I don't think that's a you're a human piece of crap like resilience is easy i, I would say easier when you're younger yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. physical mental spiritual it's just easier and so those ingredients being new having it be a little bit of panic move having a, some regret building up about not trying that big thing to la was enough to just like made me go no i'm good you know um and i don't to this day i don't regret it but it definitely again i wish everything was to the left by one Cause there are days when I'm like hard on myself. I'm in my mid forties. I'm like, had I stayed in medical school, I'd be earning six figures uh, now. Yeah. And I could still be an unemployed actor, not, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the hours so still work. Not, yeah. Right, yeah. Right, so right, it's right. not like anything. So like there are days since I did everything at a sprint, I, I am, when I am hard on myself, I go, those things didn't pay off doing it practical. Like so I'd, I'd go yeah. practical risk yeah. and I'll go practical yeah. risk, practical risk. And it's just like, I kind of needed to shit or get off the pot and that I could see that the older we get, the more I was like life and me and those around me and my spirit, we, I don't have the tolerance to do that crap anymore. You know, I'm all for the memes like, Hey, there's, you know, you could be 80 and still living your life. I'm like, yeah, right, right. I don't want to set myself up for misery either. Right. So, right. Firefighting was hard. Like every time I see an engine go by, even now, uh, I would love to be on a truck because I hate fighting fires. I love going in just with tools and rescue stuff. But again, that's after 10 years, you know, right, and I didn't right. have it in me to get, because again, I started too late. I didn't have yeah. it in me to be, I couldn't go straight to SWAT. I couldn't go straight to being a truckie, straight to being a truckie. I knew that I wouldn't expect that high yeah. offer to right. be a new guy. Right. Being the new guy around a bunch, like one guy turned 21 in the Academy. who's my peer, you know, I just, so I got treated. Yeah. I did, I had to do the dishes and all these things. And that was where I was like, I used to be a freaking green beret. Don't make yeah. me God. That was yeah. got that got me more there than in Hollywood. That whole I, I allowed myself to let that piss me off way more. You know, the the new guy games, which I get. I did it to younger guys younger than me. But I want there was still a part of me that wanted to pass. 
you know, and I would push it. I, I wore my long tab on my, my bunker gear. <laughs> they're like, you can't have your own tabs on there. I'm like, I want to rip it off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that seems incredibly human and relatable that you, yeah. it, like, it's one thing in acting where you're not going to, if you're not going to, having a great resume doesn't necessarily translate to getting the acting job fine. But there are certain walks of life where you're like, motherfucker, I, I paid the admission price already. I, I want a little bit of respect, it. right? Perfect way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's 100% it is. And that, that's where it just boils down to ego and your own psychology of how you handle it. And I'm, and admittedly, I, I'm poor at it. I wasn't a walking motivational meme. I mean, <laughs> take, take what they give you. I, I had big time poo poo lip about it. I was really, I was kind of a dick to myself. I was professional outwardly, I think, but I allowed it to yeah. blacken, blacken my spirit a little bit for sure. Cause hundred percent. Let's talk about, um, one of the hashtags you use all the time and you've oh, been shit. pretty, pretty, uh, vocal and transparent about this, which I find fascinating. Good. Um, consider quitting. I was worried that's the one you're going to ask. About. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I, I have a ton of respect for the fact that you're willing to talk about that because I think it's a conversation that does need to happen. I think it needs to happen. I mean, maybe in your case, but certainly there's a lot of people, I think in the arts and certainly in acting yeah. that probably should. Um, yeah. But I'm interested, especially with your background, um, the walls that you've seen coming up uh, that would make you consider that, that yeah. to me is, it seems like it's worth talking about. Where did that first come from? Um, I was, it definitely came from a place of bitter, jaded, competitive, sore loserness. You know, it didn't come yeah. from a place completely of, I would say health. Sure. Um, but it sprouted it, it, it ebbs and flows. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it depends on, you know, the day and the experiences, <laughs> but it definitely, it, when it ebbs into the more healthy and like you said, the conversations that need to happen, whether with yourself in your mind or with others, it ebbs into that healthier space. And it kind of started, it might've been, I think the, the COVID lockdown era definitely had a lot of made us all, no matter what, no matter what, everybody had some come to Jesus at some yeah. level. Yeah. And I think that was happening for me there. Um, and the, just enough of the pissy whiny, I wasn't getting roles no matter how hard I work, even though I knew that's how the system was, but it didn't make me, it didn't negate how frustrated I was with not getting what I want, like a little baby. Huh. But then it got to the point where I was letting regret fuel me. But then I, I, I would have at least enough of a healthy step back where I would look at like, uh, I, I probably could credit Mike Rowe, the, the mm. dirty jobs guy, mm -hmm. um, with, helping just timing or something I listened to of his that made me take that potentially horrendous negative space I was going to and transition into more of a healthy conversation. And one of his podcasts, he was talking about how his mother wanted to be a, like a published author. I'm butchering it, but it was something like his mother wanted to be a published author. And she tried for something like 70, the number was absurd, like 70 years or something to right. get published. And she got right. published and her quote unquote dream came true. And he paused in his, in, in this telling of the story. And he says, and in that case, and he giggled and he laughing, he wasn't being hard on her. He was being straight up honest. He goes, I would have actually told that person to quit. She spent her whole life not getting what she wanted and got it. And she's almost 80. And, and, and she, she I would tell that person to quit. That's insane. You know, I'm butchering. He was much more eloquent. Yeah. He was much, no, more, no, no, no. He was much yeah. more Mike Rowe about it. But <laughs> it made me really think of, of it, it there is it's the fuel tank of this consider quitting 
car, if you will, definitely is, it does have an octane boost built from jadedness and, and, and bitter competition and almost a babyish. I don't get what I want that the stuff I said, I I'm aware of, of like, we're used to like, if I do this, I get a green beret that I'm wired that way. I, I yeah. don't know how to, I, I would love to unwire it. I'm out for whatever motivational means people think will help. But until that happens, I, that I have that octane boost of jaded competitive I yeah. hate losing. Yeah. And that his comment, the life that was going on made me go, I'm kind of sick or maybe, you know, it was definitely, uh, spoke volumes as to my psyche about, you know, I'm the audience of these things that were pissing me off. So it's how I chose to respond to them. I'm not unaware of that, but I kind of was starting to get a little pissed off about the whole, particularly in the acting industry, for sure. The Hollywood mm. chase your dreams industry. I would find myself going, there's a difference between uh, realistic, and I use the word realistic loosely because obviously if you'd only chased realistic dreams, nobody, the plane right. wouldn't have been invented, right. et cetera. So there is that sweet spot of absurd, like chase your dreams at all costs, but I'm not going to go tell a quadruple amputee to be a Green Beret. Like right. Right. I'm not being an asshole. I'm just being facts. Right. Um, and so like, I see, I really felt through my like kind of jaded hypersensitive eyes that especially in the Hollywood acting industry and the entertainment industry, that it's, it deviates too much to the point of you're setting people to get, this is where I will swear you're setting people to get fucked. And I got really sick of seeing that because I fell for it. And this, again, this comes from a place of a little anger and jadedness, but I was falling for it. And I, I, I hate I just wanted it to shift. I wanted almost an asterisk to all those happy motivational bullcrap things where they're like, mm. but I'm yeah. a fluke. Like when I hear, and I'm not, I'll hear people on like the tonight show are like, Oh, I was struggling for four years. I'm like, I would kill to struggle for four years. I was in LA for right. eight. Right. And you know, and I always wanted to be a little bit more honest about where, you know, like I, I think shortly after I started doing that, consider quitting hashtag, I posted something that said like, I went OCD and did the math. Cause I keep track of all my auditions. I, I timed out the amount of times I've auditioned and did an average about how long an audition takes. I added driving. It was absurd. And then I did the amount of time I've actually been on screen uh, was the math was just, just yeah. horrendously depressing. Right. So the amount, of, and again, I'm not all doing it for the check, but we all got to put food on our table. Right. So I, right. I said something like for this amount of time I've done this, and this is the amount of time I got paid to do my job. And I go, People need to know that I'm not saying everybody should quit or like chase their dreams blindly, but there needs to be a comma or a parenthetical citation of like, but this is a fluke, but the rock is one of 600,000 or whatever wannabe actors. So that came from a, almost a weird jaded protective thing of like, I'm tired of the potential misleading thing. Yeah. You know, like there's this one, yeah. <laughs> this is so juvenile. There's this one account on Twitter that's. I know their intent is not malice. I, I, I'm not unaware of that. But they're always like, your next audition could be right around the corner. Five years, just hold out. I'm like, okay, now what about the people that are 10 years? Where's your motivational meme for that? You know, I'm not trying to shit on them or, or like completely ruin it and always come from a place of naysaying, which I know it could come across that. Right, I know I, right. I definitely, I do find myself when I go back, like you said, in retro, retro look at a post, I'm like, man, you whiny little part. <laughs> <laughs> you know? No, but, but it's, it comes it's, from, yeah, it comes from a place of that people need, like, I always think I envision this really good friend of mine from Colorado where protect under my wing thing. I would want her to know the, what I'll start calling the Jeff parentheses, 
like chase your dreams as long as it takes your next big role could be right around the corner but i still want there to be the but be aware that that the 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 four-year example they're mentioning like john krasinski was talking about how yeah 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 yeah. struggling for four years in new york for before the office i was like yeah yeah but four years is a joke compared to i i before i moved out i mean you could i could round up close to a decade friends some friends longer and not all the ones are the the office i'm like those are great to motivate but if they can create this blind slightly delusional motivation like i'm all for diluted motivation that's how i think i've done some of the most amazing things i've done but to be consistently beaten with it it can possibly brainwash somebody into the micro mother story 86 years go by like I'm at this weird sweet spot. There's some, I call it a midlife crisis where I'm like, what? at 45, you know, you start to look at stuff pandemic, post pandemic, where you're like, God, if I was a doctor, I could be retiring soon. Yeah. And I'd be right where I'm at now, possibly. So I, I'm not saying nobody should, that's where that came from is like, consider quitting. I'm not saying, quit. yeah, yeah. But have that conversation with yourself. 18, 19, you, you have a cell phone bill and a couple, you know, debts, knock yourself silly. But regret sucks. You know, like, I don't even know if you've seen it. Like, you see, I posted it sometimes. That little chart right there. Oh, oh yeah. that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's literally each box is a week of your life. And it's very depressing when you look at it that way. Like, you're like, oh, I'm half dead. <laughs> you know, and that's where that regret really sucks is, is that. And so that's where that came from is fueled by jaded, pissy. I didn't get what I want or I don't get what I want. But also, like, I would want somebody to tell me this stuff. Like, like you, and especially in the Hollywood entertainment story, where it's it's purely fueled on luck and dreams. Like, there's no equation. Nobody, you could be born. Like, the only guarantee I would say is possibly being the child of somebody famous. Right. But beyond that, right. There's no formula. Which it's the only industry, and I would say this defiantly. There's no. This is one of the few industries that doesn't have. Like you can't go how to make a career in Hollywood handbook. Like there isn't. There's tips and tricks, but this entire industry is built on tips and tricks and nuance and hopes and dreams. And I think that it just sucks to regret. And that's why I just like that. Mike Rowe, he has two great stories about that. And it and it really makes you go, what matters? And especially if you if if <laughs> not on a whole nother thing, but Hollywood's getting icky. The movies are kind of, and I'm a thing. This is a fan, not a bitter, bitter, jaded wannabe actor. The movies are starting to suck, so it's really weird. I, I there's days where I'm like, I just want to brainwash myself from wanting to do this because I'm not, I'm not out. <clears throat> I'm not Mel Gibson who can go make his own thing. Despite he, I can't go make the Passion of the Christ in spite of what the industry says. I'm dependent on that checkbox Marvel make you know make the money industry. So it's like, you know. It, that's where the word consider came in and uh, yeah. you know, consider these things, you know, like somebody that went through selection, if they went three times and didn't get picked, like at what point, you know, it's really right. dark, but when you're right. laying there on your right. deathbed, regret sucks. And if you're like, well, I tried seven times and I still didn't quit. So, yeah, but that was 10 years of your life. You know, what do you, so it's, it's, it's a little dark and somber, but that's where that no, I mean, listen, it's, it's a, it's a point of view that I think is really worth exploring. Yeah. Um, because, uh, I mean, look, I, I, I try not to make these at all about me, but I'm sorry. You're just touching oh, all these yeah. third rails in my mind, but that was my dad. My, my, my oh. dad, you know, wrote for, he was working on the great American novel his whole life. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. And uh, when he died, I took care of him the last 10 months of his life, mm. um, which was by far the hardest year of my life. And when he died, his entire book was under my bed because I had a little fold out bed oh and it was, you know, it had nothing God. under there. And it was in all these boxes and it was oh boxes God. going back to 1964. Oh my God. And it was all there. And with rejection letters from agents, rejection letters from publishers and all that. And he'd been working on it for all those years. Oh. And the thing is, is, and then I read it. I mean, I read iterations of it probably once every seven to 10 years, I would read the latest iteration of it. And the problem is it dated, it got dated. It would have been really awesome if he had put it out in 1969 or maybe 1971, but it was like, uh, by the time he passed in 2011, 2012, um, it was like, yeah, yeah. um, you're, you're telling a story that should have been told 30, 40 years earlier. And it was, and, but you, but you kept beating that dead horse. You just yeah. kept, you, you kept going after it. And I kept saying to him, dad, you got these other stories. Why don't you write, focus on them, try to write those. And he, uh, and he was like, well, I'll get to them. I'll get to them, but I got to get this one done first. And he couldn't sit through a movie like our whole, he never took a vacation my whole life and he couldn't sit through a movie. Um, like we'd watch a VHS, you know, rent movies from yeah. blockbuster and all that growing up. He couldn't sit through it. He had to go back to his study and just start writing, working back on his novel. Nonstop. Oh God. So yeah, he was his whole life. I mean, his whole life was, was that mind. And you know, it was really, I've God never, dang. I've never said this on air, but what was really fucked up is, um, when he died or, you know, the last he was, he was inca- incapacitated. His body was shutting down and mm-hmm. Medicaid wouldn't cover him because they said there's nothing medically wrong with him. He's just body's not working, but there's nothing medically wrong. We can't identify a disease. And it was somebody at one point said, well, your dad is becoming his book. Oh my God. Right. And it was one of those things that wow. I'm not, I'm not saying this to, I'll never, to, I'll never, to shock, no, but I, I'll it, never forget that. I'll but it, but that. to your point about consider quitting, it's like, it's genuinely it, applicable. Yeah. It, it, and, and, and to look and to go, you know, what's the better part of valor here? What's the wiser course and not to give up your dreams necessarily, but to also be open and receptive to where things are guiding you and to what opportunities you should yeah. be looking at. And, you know, when, and, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting interesting discussion. How often do you consider quitting? It sounds like a cheesy like can't late night show answer, but daily. Uh, there's uh, uh, daily. I, I I wouldn't say I consider quitting daily. I consider I, I I think to myself daily. I wish I could brainwash or turn whatever that is off huh. because it, it happened for, for whatever reason. I can't because I I think about. I'll, you know, like, okay, I'll have to shoot an email to my agent, my manager, I'm done. Don't submit me anymore. I'm done. And then I go, uh, straight up, get on local job network, USA jobs or whatever, and just get something to pay the bills. But for some reason there's whatever that switch is. And it's not even ego. Cause I've quit things before. I'm not like some, again, I'm not a walking meme of first form, Mr. Motivational CEO guy, right. but like I've quit, I quit college. I've quit multiple martial arts. (laughs) Like I've quit things before. And this one is dragging out or dragging on or continuing, you know, however you want to say it, the longest of all things. So is that a come to Jesus, like uh, evaluate and assess, but it does, it is daily for sure. And I think about not to put micro on a Jesus pedestal. There's actually something he said in that same headspace that I actually don't agree with that I wish I could in that same, I mm-hmm. wish I could de- uh, brainwash myself of whatever this, this, this brain cancer part of my brain is. <laughs> he says something like, 
uh, quit looking for your dream job. Quit I'm bastardizing again, but it's something along the lines of like, quit looking for your dream job. Quit looking for the job that makes you happy every minute of the day. Those jobs don't exist. He goes, what matters? And this is the part I'm I'm not good at is the value you take away from the the value of your life. Those I mean, he is very huggy and lovey dovey, but he's he's not wrong. I just can't spiritually make that switch because the minute I read that, I was like, yeah, but. I don't know if I could, it's on me. This is where I'm aware it's on me is to go. If I'm spending eight hours a job, I hate that's up to me to hate it. It's not like they're whipping me. You know, it's up to me if I'm working at a gas station, hating it. That's all attitude, perception, yeah, positive yeah. mental attitude, all that bull crap yeah. that I agree with, but I don't have for whatever reason, the wiring it to switch. So it is daily where I go, I wish I could just go down the street or grab a job at a ranch. I'm, ranch is probably an exception because I love working on ranches, but go grab a job. I quote unquote would hate just to pay the bills because we all need to do that and then find value elsewhere from my nine to five paycheck job. So it's a daily, it's a daily thing. And it's definitely something that's not, I don't have in check. I don't even want to mislead that way. I, it's, it's not something that's yeah. working like a well-oiled machine, but it's, it's daily for sure. This is a weird question. I don't know if it's going to come out right. Do you, do you have value at what, what is your value as an actor? What what do you bring that is unique as an actor? Because I feel like as an artist, you know, any artist, whatever the medium, you know, that's always the thing, right? It's it's am I if I'm going to be used up, if I'm here for a reason and I need to be yeah. used up and spent by the end of my life, am I being used up? What is my value to the yeah. world, to the medium, to the stories that I want to tell, whatever? So what is yours, do you think? My my God. Um, I would say years ago, I would say the business answer would be like, I'm hardworking. I'm I, I, wherever I don't have talent, right. I, where, where right. I don't have skill, I have talent, where I don't have talent, I have skill and work ethic, yada, yada. Um, and as it goes on, the little bit of huggy, hippy dippity crap I have on it that I latch on to that I think I would bring is a sense of. Like if I could have all my dreams come true, the way I envision it, the times I do try to do that visualization stuff is, is joy, like sheer, passionate, blind, mm. loyal, kind, childlike, enthusiastic, motivational joy. Mm. And, and where I don't care about the paycheck or, you know, I, I wouldn't move out of this house because I made, I mean, I might, cause why not? <laughs> but like, <laughs> Like, I think as I get older, I look at it that way, where when we see people, who was I thinking of? God, there was somebody I was watching and I can't remember who it was, but you could just tell. And it's sadly rare, I think, when you see him interviewed, you could tell, I really wish I could remember who it was. This person just loved the shit out of what they did. And it's so rare. And I think that's what I would bring to it, especially in the industry that is so based on black and white which is why you and i go on like another 10-hour podcast I'm like, yeah. in the industries the movies are crap now there's yeah no, there's yeah. no risk there's no fun and that's what i would think i would get i would bring to the table is oh this guy you could pay me minimum wage and i'd be fine like that's the thing is i think they could see just like a blind he's not thinking about a cell phone bill he's happy and that would transcend to all the other bullcrap stuff all the oh he's happy and he's motivated because he's full of joy here he's motivating other people through his actions he he's his joy got him that job and that job got him help pay for yeah. his, you know send money to this children's charity like that joy would just be so encompassing and i don't think that 
joy is as chronic as it should be. And I think that's uh, the one thing I, that's the thing I'd bring to it. That's fucking great. But in which is ironic in spite of a day, pretty much my day spent in this jaded, <laughs> angry, competitive thing. <laughs> right. But no, but when I am sense. doing these, like these things or, you know, Betty called me out on the other day when we were, I was talking on, um, I was nerding out on a, on a show and she goes, you're just happy as a pig and she didn't say this, but her, she, yeah. she's much more eloquent, but she's, I was basically happy as a pig and shit. I wasn't yeah. my metaphor of like, I wasn't thinking about my cell phone bills. Yeah. And this whole time we've been talking, this is fun as shit. Yeah. So I think that's, that, that, that's important, but hell if I know how to get it, you know, day in and day out, totally according to Mike Rowe, that's up, that's up to us, <laughs> no matter what we're doing. <laughs> so, I mean, let's, let's do, um, let's look at the flip side of that coin. What, what's the dream? What's the dream role? What's the dream project? What's the dream aspect of the business? What, what do you want to see? in your career and and i mean it can be as pie in the sky as you like it or as yeah. as as much as it's like hey i should i got this audition coming up on tuesday the fucking crush if i got it i mean like yeah. it can be as realistic as you like but it, what do you think um my dream a lot of times it, i'm always really like hesitant because it sometimes it's translated into must be big rich and famous but these things happen to be that like mm. it's not like, I'm like I want to be big, rich, and famous. That's not my dream. The things I want because I know how the business works would lead to that, but they're they're mutually yeah. exclusive. They're right. in the vacuum. Right. Um, so it's like a weird little disclaimer. My dream would be to just it sounds like I'm obsessed with money, but just have my job be to act. And if that there are dream roles, don't get me wrong. I would kill to play Frank. They need to do the Punisher in a series. I know Bernthal did it. I don't like it as much, <laughs> so I won't focus on the Punisher, but there's like a couple nerd books I love and there to be that a handful of these characters and have that turn into more work, like just work that in, it, it initiates more work yeah, and just to work in the business. And, and actually, I guess the more succinct way to put it is my dream would be to getting paid to act versus volunteering spending my day in life volunteering time to try to get the job to maybe act. I want to just, just to flip over to that side of where I'm actually just doing the job and where the job, where the job creates more work, you know, where the dream is to be called for an, a role versus begging, yeah. auditioning, hustling and networking for an audition to yeah. get the role. Like I spent two years just to get an audition for Reacher, just right. being and, and doing all right. sorts of crazy shit. It was awesome and fun, but the dream would be to like get something and have them call you or do your own stuff. Like there's a book I don't, right. it's called, I don't even want to release it, but it's an amazing book series. I would kill to make that and just have that, you know, like I always look at, I always use Mel Gibson as a great example, all personal stuff aside, this dude made these action movies. He was a product of the eighties and nineties action stuff. There's probably like, Oh, we got to do lethal weapons because it's good business. You know, we got to do this because it's good business. But then he got to the point where he's like, F you, I'm making a movie about right. Jesus. Right. And I'm going to do an Aramaic. Like he got Hollywood F you money yeah. and he could just yeah. do it. And so there's a, to me, that's, I, I think he's had some bad days. Don't get me wrong. But when I see him talk and I've heard him do a commentary, I don't know if you've seen the movie fat man where he plays Santa Claus. I didn't very, see it, but yeah, actually yeah. good. It's not I'm sure it is. I know. I guess it's, it's, actually, it's played straight and I was listening to the commentary of it. And ironically, he has joy in what he does. When you see him talk, it's sometimes hyper enthusiastic because he's he's yeah. Mel Gibson, but he has a 
just a freaking excitement about it. Like it, it just, you, it, to me, it just oozes and, and he can do it cause he can, has the money to make what he wants. He can tell studios to F off. He can do a studio movie, but he kind of is in this sweet spot. And I'm not using him as an example. I think like Hugh Jackman's a great example. He can play sure. the Marine and do Broadway. Like sure. Right. Diverse. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I find him uh, pretty impressive. So I guess that'd be the very long winded answer of my dream would be to get a, like, there's a series I've been pimping out. It's called Dempsey. Um, and it's, right. it's been picked up. And again, it's about a Navy SEAL, of course. It's always <laughs> Navy SEALs. But my dream would be to get something like that and just have, that would create something. Cause I'm not going to go blow it on cocaine and, and right. stupid decisions right. and car. I might buy a car too, cause I love cars. <laughs> I, I would, I'm, I'm do, I have like a 25 year old truck, but like, that would be the dream. I, I think people that their careers die, it's because they're, you and I both know what the day rate on SAG is. When I hear people go, oh, I'm not making it. I'm like, fool, you make $1,092 a day. That's a day. There, do the math. Like you screwed up big time. I, I mean, LA is expensive. Yes. But you really have to screw up to be a series regular. And even if you never have a career again, put some money away. Like you're an idiot. So like you can have a series and never work again or work sporadically. Like Robert Pattinson's a great example. Um, he did the Twilight Sprink, Twinkly stuff. If you don't, if you didn't follow him, he disappeared and did some crazy indie stuff that he just wanted to do because he had fu yeah. money in, yeah. in Twilight, and now he comes back and he's freaking Batman. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and see, that's not too shabby. Like he didn't blow it on cocaine and hookers, and he he might have, I don't know, but he made enough that he could. But he just right. he took that thing, had maybe fun initially doing it, and then eventually had obligations to finish the series. Right. I just went off and had fun. Like the movies you, he did, he you knew he didn't do them. If you've watched them, I went on a deep dive and like watched all of them. And uh, he was not doing them for box office success. Yeah, right. Like he absolutely right. was not. That was answer, that was an incidental bonus. So I think in retrospect, to answer my question is uh, something like what he did. You know, cool dream series or you know sequel movies or stuff like that, and uh, pay the bill doing it. And would you do stage again? hundred percent. Yeah. I freaking love the stage. Um, I always go to this place. I was just telling Betty this when I was talking about you to her last night. Um, you and I both know, like, especially when I was in LA, if there was an, uh, a theater, a play a audition for a play, I was always hesitant because it was like a, you know, per performance, per seat pay scale. Oh, and I was in such, mm. yeah. And I'm, wow. There was something I can't remember. It wasn't like a, it wasn't That's a very LA way of looking at it. Yeah. 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 Right. No, it definitely yeah. is not that. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> so, but I was also like, okay. And if I'm in, I always went through this headspace. If I'm in that, I pretty much am committed to this, the whole run of the show. And if I get a role, I can't audition. So I just discounted it as far as almost like a time financial decision, yep. but it wasn't yep. a personal preference decision at all. Like I even, it's sadly, it's on my to-do list as we speak. There's a handful of theaters near where I live. Like even if I'm not in them, It'd be what if God? What if I got to direct? Or hell, I'd even help build stage, do go work on crew, or do light hanging because it was fun as hell to be around. Yeah. And now I'm at that point. I'm trying to micro my life a little bit of like Mm. it wouldn't be a shitty way to spend my day. (laughs) Right. And actually, God forbid, I make a couple bucks. Where are you guys now? Are you in Atlanta? Just outside of Omaha. Omaha. Oh yeah. yeah. Wow. So I I got enough of a career, whatever it is. And because of the pandemic, that's a thing that got good from it is you don't have to live in LA anymore. Yeah. Uh, you have to be willing to get there because unless it's a big role, it's weird because sometimes they're casting all over the place. Like I've still had major, major, major auditions frustratingly and awesomely at the same time. 
but they and they've been shooting at Atlanta or LA, despite where I live. Yeah, if they're they're big enough where they're like we're casting this wide net for like Mortal Kombat. I just auditioned for to play the main bad guy. Right, get it. So I can tell you that. And they would have obviously flown me because right, they, right. they're not caring where you live. Uh, but there's other ones where I'm like, oh, I'd kill to do this. I'm gonna have to eat the plane ticket myself. Do the math to make sure I'm not in the red. I'd like to profit from the job. Um, but yeah, so that was definitely a decision where I was like, I need happiness. Um, as yeah. far as yeah. the, the the life outside of the job or the life outside of the because I'm from small town Idaho. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I just Atlanta wasn't bad. I was in a small enough town, but it's still it's LA 2.0. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and 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 I'm not a big Southern boy. Mm-hmm. So I met Betty and she's uh she has a she has what you and I in this whole conversation are talking about as far as a great example template of a job. She she's Mike wrote her job. She loves her job. It brings her value. She's happy. And it's specific to this area. So when when we met and started dating, I was like, who I've made an ex-wife at the time wife follow me around the world as a green beret. Roles are reversed. She has to be here in Omaha. I, because of whatever success I've got or pandemic, I can live wherever I want and still chase work. So it's kind of a no brainer. And it's so much peaceful, more peaceful for the soul. Like the first day we were here, there was a John Deere driving in our neighborhood and stopped at a stoplight, (laughs) you know, like this big John Deere tractor. I was like, oh, I'm home. (laughs) (laughs) No, that goes a long way. And uh, what's the next inflection point for Dempsey? Um, I think uh, I've talked to the authors. I've been with the authors on a couple of their shows. Um, last I saw is it's been, it's been purchased as I understand it. They haven't revealed who or where um, I'm reading in between the lines that it's a streamer somewhere. Um, and that's it. And I, I hover on that as much as possible. The guys are vets. So I, I, they i've been very explicit we had like a private meeting and this isn't like this part isn't a secret or anything but like i was very explicit i was like look there's the hustle they've they hate the word followed it feels so douchey but they followed me for a long time so they know i play the game everything i do is sincere but there's always within this industry there is calculation right and so i said guys genuinely because you're vets and i really just love this shit please know there's the jeff that's you know, hyping it or hashtagging Dempsey. But at the end of the day, I hope you guys know, I get if they're like, we'll do this movie, but it's gotta be Chris Pratt or, you know, whatever. right, right, right. And I'm like, yeah. I get it. I'll be butthurt as hell. Don't get me wrong guys, but I won't hold it against you. I get the business. And I go, I just, I promise you that level of, um, of, of honesty, but also do know, I do know how this business works and it's a business of constant, uh, poking. Like I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. And, and I go, so please know that's, not an immature child doing that. I'm, it's a 45 year old guy that's very calculated about it and knows out of sight, out of mind. Right. And, and right. so please know. And they're cool and very receptive. Uh, to, uh, I'm not just kissing. They're really good guys. And I'll read their stuff. Every time I pe- see stuff or read stuff, I'm like, how are people coming up with original ideas finally? My yeah. brain, if I start to write something, the next thing I know, I accidentally write Star Wars. I'm like, uh, right. I don't have that original thought. I guess. <laughs> so the next step, I think, I'm sure they're just pitching it, trying to get all the last I understood it. You know, you can see all this like on IMDb Pro. Yeah. You know, they're dealing with the showrunner negotiation shenanigans. They know that I know that it's going to be a fight. Like, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but they've more or less, which I've even told Betty this a couple of times. I'm like, this is awesome because we're all new. We're all vets and we're all honest. 
like with Reacher, I met with the author a handful of times and we actually did a couple of talks in New York. He never, he knows the business. He never once said anything committed. Never yeah. once he goes, I want it to be Jeff Bosley. Right. You right. could glean some nuance, but he knew how to play the game. Uh, so he, cause he didn't want to be quoted. Sure. And, uh, sure. He was very receptive to meeting with me. We hung out, we did events. Uh, the guys that are doing Dempsey, I might be reading between lines and I, cause I'm always very hesitantly confident. I, I, as I read it, or at least I'm kidding myself, they want it to be me, but they know that I know that they know that right. that might not be the option. So right. they know I'm like, just if I get an audition. I get that the lead of the show has to guarantee money. Sometimes the trick could be like, Hey, we have this new lead. I was like, you could pitch new, new, a green Bray playing Navy. Seal. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Right. You know, I go, but there are these ancillary characters. Don't get me wrong. I would just be, I just be, I just want to play in your guys' backyard. And this sounds odd. There are some characters I'd love, but the, still the lead from Jeff way back in theater. I want to be Dempsey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah, want yeah, that. yeah. So yeah. it's just, it's in this weird stagnant phase. Reacher was green lit and official, but still, I was still take, took like, I'm pretty sure it was almost two years of hulking. I did a fan film that could have been a little bordering on desperate. It got me an audition, but I do know those casting directors knew who I was. So I want to potentially de de-risk that. Uh, yeah. Like he's passionate, but he's not desperate. Right. And especially because these guys are, are really cool. I don't want to fuck with them. They're really, yeah, guys. sure. Sure. So it's more a little bit of like poking the bear, creating some hashtags, this and that. Once it gets to the formal, like right now, they don't have a casting director. They don't have a showrunner. Right. The minute that formality happens, I take it down a notch. I'm, I'll throw hashtags here and there, but that's where I'll let managers and agents do it the professional way. So I've cultivated enough of the stuff up to that point where they go, okay, so who is this Jeff Bosley? I've created a history, but once sure. it's formal, sure. I stop. There's no more no more schmoozing they'll know i exist uh that my agents and everything will do their pitchy pitchy stuff and i'll you know i'll poke the author i'll even right read them. I have their, when i email them i'm like guys i like oh okay i'll reveal it because it applies here but dempsey broke his back guy that wants to play dempsey broke his back dempsey in all the books is talking about his his thigh pain his phantom pain here and i'm like I am Dempsey. I am sitting here in so much pain reading about Dempsey being in pain in, a, in, a, in an airplane. Like, you guys, this is literally me, other yeah. than the fact he's a Navy SEAL. Yeah. So, like, I'll email him, but then also email him non-pitchy bullcrap. I'm like, guys, I just teared up at this moment. This was the best part of this book. Like, so it, it's that's where it's at. It's it's a holding pattern of just the business being the business. Obviously, they're highly motivated to sell. A sure, series sure. Of, of course. Like, uh, what's his name? Jack Carr selling uh, Terminal yes. List. Yeah, like that's a dream come true for them. Don't get me wrong, right? But if I could be the Chris Pratt to Terminal or to Dempsey as Chris Pratt as Terminalist, I wouldn't say no. And well, and it sounds like you're you've set yourself up that there's there shouldn't be any two ways about it. That barring an A lister coming in and taking that role, yeah. you should be in the audition room. It seems that's, like I, that's my know. bare minimum. Is, yeah. is especially as we said with this business is like I know I can only do so much. Right, I just need an audition, and then after that, if I don't get it it's out of my hands. Right. Like, right. I, I, and it's like, I go to morbid. Ex I'm not going to like, Oh, I found out Chris Pratt's audition. I'm going to go break his legs. You know, <laughs> it's an option. <laughs> but it, Anything in my potential realm of control. Like I've even pimped this out. Like I'm not even effing around. I, if you've seen it or, you know, like I'm straight up related, like I work with the Bosley hair transplant people. Right. I right. added more hair because Dempsey's younger than me. Like I thought I, it was because he was a seal. I thought that's why no, you had to add more, more hair. No, you I, know, bought, I, had to add I bought more, more gel. I bought more gel. 
I needed more hair to work with. <laughs> but I was well, like, I, I, I was like, I, guys, I'll do everything in my power for you. Like the, nobody, nobody has that. Well, it, and I, I'll, I'll end on this. First off, dude, thank you. I mean, this has been such a fucking blast, and this I, is, and I feel like I'm being exploitive if I keep this going for longer because I'm like, yeah, why don't you no, take I'm, your I'm whole fucking day and talk? But I'm you know, pig and shit doing this. Okay, well, this good. So I, it's it's been such a blast talking, and it, and I just was like, holy fuck, we're at over two hours. But I I oh, I, I, I did want to ask you about this because um again, I mean, like you have the the hashtag consider quitting. You're incredibly transparent with people. And then I'm like, holy fuck, you're like on there showing people that you're getting your hair transplanted, Bosley and all that. The antithesis of the LA actor thing where it's like, no, I'm just a stunningly good looking individual. What, what do you think? Yeah. You know, it's like, no, dude, I'm, I'm fucking working. What I love about it, and, uh, and I'm going to pontificate about what I love about it. And then you can tell me how off base I am with this. But what I, <laughs> my, my sense is, it's like, um, it's the old biblical, you know, uh, the years that the locusts had taken, you know, it's like, look, motherfucker, I was doing all this stuff. I didn't have time to take care of myself. I was busy just working on my body, trying to be functionally fit, just execute a mission. Yeah. Then I'm firefighting. I'm doing all this shit. Look, I'm not going to come in and just like I've been lounging and, you know, spying it up every Wednesday and, and Friday for the past 15, 20 years. So yeah, if I'm going to compete in this league. I get it. Yeah. I'm going to have to do a little bit of work and I, there's no shame in it. And I think it's, it's a pers- if, and again, I'm not trying to read anything to this. So you can set me straight, but my sense is it's a refreshing honesty that a, that a military veteran can bring to the industry to go. Yeah. It's a superficial industry and not unjustly. We expect yeah. things to look a certain way, bitching. Then I'm going to do what the fuck I need to do so yeah. that I can be presentable to you. Because yeah, there's been a lot of shit that's eaten away at me because I've done unnatural things. So yeah, I, I got I got to make it back, man. You know, I got to make it back on the back end, <laughs> right? Yeah. No, you're not you're not off base at all. You're 100 percent right. Like, there's a limit. I'm not going to go like, <laughs> you know, the, the hair transplant thing, for example. I'm insecure. I can get it because I work with them. Like, okay, cool. I'll look a little younger. I'm not going to go. I get go crazy with Botox. That's what special effects are for. But it was also, I was like, well, how can I spin this to be like, hey, guys, seriously, though, he's younger than me. You can't argue this. But like you said, there's an element of, um, I guess that's something I, I would go back to is like, what would I bring to it would be joy is, is it's weird to talk about honesty and transparency in a braggatory way because it seems hypocritical. But I've been told that several times in in very deep conversations like this. And that's actually really important to me because Going back to that on uh consider quitting thing, like I'm tired. I want, and I've said this in other stuff, like I want people to know relate to me the exact same way I really mm-hmm. we wouldn't relate. This is so artsy, but I truly mean this. Like, I wouldn't relate to Superman if he had zero weaknesses. He needs kryptonite, he needs emotional weakness if Lois gets hurt or when his mom gets threatened. Like, we won't relate to that. And I'm I'm not I say this falling as a fan who happens to act. That's why nobody relates to Black Adam the way they portrayed it. He's indestructible. What happened? It's like, all right, well, that was, I have no ethos, pathos. I don't care about this guy. He's indestructible. You know, yeah. that's why I like yeah. when we made the Reacher fan film. I actually rewrote the scene we did. He got his ass kicked more than the book and people crucified me for it. I was like, yeah, but if it was two minutes of him just winning a fight, nobody gives a shit. You know, like, so I want that to translate into the real world. Like it's the whole, um, uh, uh, it's, it's a trope in all the movies of like the fighter who gets really cushed with his millions of dollars and loses his edge. Right. Like right. people, 
you know, I probably, if I, if, if, and when I get a career, I'm probably gonna have a PR person just like constantly up my ass, like, don't post that. Quit saying that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah but yeah. I want, I'm not doing this. Yeah. The casting directors will get a paycheck off of this. I get how the business is, but I'm not getting on stage like you, or I'm not getting in front of the camera. Yes. They make a paycheck. Yes. People thrive off of that. Agents get percentages. People put food on their table doing it, but I'm not, I'm not acting in an empty forest. Like I'm acting for an audience, not because of my ego, but I want people to freaking enjoy it. And if they can connect Jeff with that, like I, like I, as Jeff relate to like the, the, there's a big story about Henry Cavill nerding out on Dungeons and Dragons and building his own gaming computer. I think that's so freaking awesome. It's like, oh my God, that's like so many people are enamored with that. Cause he's like Mr. Beautiful British Henry, Henry Cavill. And like, oh my God, he's a nerd, you know? And so right. like, that is crazy important to me to avoid the hypocrisy, the stuff I hate where people, they talk about their struggle on a talk show. Rock talks about it's seven bucks productions. Cause he only has $7 in his pocket. But like, that's in retrospect is awesome. You yeah. Know, but like this is the shit I want people to relate to as far as like not losing that edge, that fighter that lost his edge. And then also on the flip side of that, as far as like you were talking about like always working or whatever with that transparency, I want them to see that. I want them to go because we have to look at it. Like you said, it's a business and these cast directors need to go. Is this guy going to flake? Can we, I actually have something written in Sharpie on my Mac upstairs is, will they trust, can they trust me with millions of dollars? Mm. Like if mm. you have to carry a show, that guy that's building the set, that carpenter, he, <laughs> your job's in his, his job's in your hands. You know, when Tom Cruise breaks an ankle and Mission Impossible shuts down, it's a cool story, but a lot of people lose their job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I want them to know, holy shit, this guy is working on something that he hasn't even got an audition for. He doesn't know who the casting director is. And he's every day when I'm working out down here in this basement, it's in case I get that role and to bring that transparency and that what we have from our backgrounds that train and always be ready crap, but it's still, it's true, right. you know? And right. I think I need to check it sometimes. Don't get me wrong. That transparency sometimes can be whiny and that's where I'm admittedly a little pissy and, and shitty, but, uh, I would be more enamored with the rock if he had social media back when he first started taking mm. a video from his supposed car he used to sleep in like that. I relate to, I don't relate to him traveling around in his traveling iron paradise gym anymore. I don't care about his past struggles. <laughs> they don't relate. I don't right. relate to him at all. You know, right. it's cool when he trains for black Adam and all that, but it's, it's just, it doesn't make me, we should be able to separate the actor from the, the thing. Don't get me wrong. Right. The way it's set up, they're, they're in, inseparable. They just, they're kind of, People want to, you know, depending on your beliefs, I think it's cool if, when Chris Pratt was saying, thanks to God, that, that one, there's yeah. a speech he has. Yeah. That's awesome. It's relatable. Pissed off some people, whatever. Well, everything you know. pisses off somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, can't say anything. but to me, that's like making a choice to be something in spite of where I know about you, but I had my first part of my career, there was like a paralysis in like constantly making sure like, what is the exact amalgamation of perfection that would get me roles? Like, don't mm. be too G.I. Joe. Don't show yourself with a gun on social media. You get in this weird hyper evaluation yeah. stage and it's, it's miserable. And now going back to the consider quitting thing, it's just like midlife crisis is we're going to die pretty soon. That shit sucks. If you're not going to just be genuine, you know, like there's therapeutic levels of, right. of, of honesty. <laughs> like, right, right, right. Jeff, yeah, all sure. you did is bitch this week, like take uh, it down a notch. Right. You know, there's a difference. And, and that's the sweet spot that I, I still I work at trans transcending back and forth a lot anyway, but what roles wouldn't uh, you do? Um, that's changed over the years for sure. I think 
I would never have like done anything uh, uh, like hypersexual, but in a committed relationship, that changes your perspective on what you'd be willing to do. As far as like literal blocking, um, like there's still love stories to be told, but do they have to have a Tom Top Gun sex scene? You know, especially in the generation, the '80s, there were sex scenes and everything. Now mm-hmm. those, those, like, so I would be more aware of like block, like uh, I'd, I'd literally say, can I see the script? You know, so but I'm going to be more aware of that because I'm in a very committed relationship with a person. I don't want to feel icky. Sure, like it's just a weird industry that way. And you know, like there's very few movies now where you have to see a sex scene. Right, like you can get the story across with an implied or a quick rollover fade to black, like. So I'd be more aware of that now because I mm. really respect Betty and and I don't want that kind of ickiness. Um, but she gets it. She's in the modeling and entertainment industry prior to her career here. Um, so those I'd be uh, critical of or aware, more cr- cr- I'd critique the uh, script more. That's a really good question. It sounds cliche, but it be- genuinely would be script dependent because if, I auditioned for a role. This is horrible to say out of context, but keep it in perspective. I auditioned for a role where the character played a, uh, uh, he, he basically was abusing his daughter. They didn't show it in the way the script was, but the comeuppance and, and the story that was told, it was right on this cusp of like, Oh God. Yeah. But the way it was done, somebody had to play that character. Yeah. Like it had to be done. I mean, not had to, but you know what I mean? Um, and that one had, I got it, I wouldn't have regretted it by any means, but I definitely, it was, I wouldn't be like, Hey mom, go watch this, you know? Right. But it was, I knew like in that case, that would have been, it would have brought that story to life. Somebody always has to play the bad guy, Kevin Spacey's personal life aside, whatever he did or didn't do, he was horrendous in seven. So he had to play it horrendously good. Right. You know, so somebody had to play it. So I, I just would be more aware of like, does it tell a story? You know, it, it, it's, it's, and I say the word cliche a lot, but it's a cliche cop out, but I, I now mean it more than I thought I did where does it tell a story or is it just bullshit? Is it just to, is it, is it the eighties exploitive boobs yeah. and sex to show right. boobs and sex? Right. Like I was watching Die Hard and there's this random scene where they had to show somebody having sex right before the terrorists break into an office. <laughs> there was no, that did not enhance the story at all. You know, so be more aware of it <laughs> right. like that. Um, you know, right. like. I know a lot of people stereotype and assume I wouldn't play like a gay character. Like I have my personal stances on, on I'm just using gay as an example, like on any topic, but I know I would entertain everything initially. Like everything will get a, 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 a get my uh, respective quick look, you know, but then from there on out personal views. Yeah. Does the story need to be told? Does it need to be told by me? That wouldn't matter. But uh, I definitely would. 90% of my pool would probably be a safe assumption of what you think it would be. You know, like there might be some 10% outliers here and there. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't bitch about playing Captain America for 10 years. Like that's freaking awesome. <laughs> right. 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 You know, <laughs> there's one question I, I can't, uh, I will, we'll wrap on this because I can't let you go without just asking kind of an obvious question. What's the feedback you've gotten from the community since you've kind of now you're out, you're overt, you're got it. Instagram page and all that. Like yeah. what kind of feedback do you get and how does it make you feel? What's been the yeah. result of like it? the green beret world? Yeah. 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 Um, I get, they give me shit, but they give me respectful shit. They, they give mm-hmm. me the good amount, like just to, in, in jest, but not at least as I perceive, I could be wrong, but not to the point where they're like, you're embarrassing us. Um, and I only know that because there are some where I can tell they're like, Oh God, 
about other people. So I think I'm doing it just right. And, and actually that's, that's almost actually a personal litmus test, especially when it comes to military movies. Um, I'll actually go into, we have a, we have a private Facebook group that you have to be, you actually have to turn in your tab orders to be even part of it. And, um, I'll, I'll even post like when there's a really shitty Steven Seagal movie I did. I'm like, I'll, I posted a screen grab from a guy. I'm like, guys, I'm going to beat you to the punch. If you see this, not my fault, <laughs> you know, and they'll give me crap for that. Um, but they know I've actually seen a buddy of mine. He defended me to somebody that was giving me a wrath of shit. This was years ago. And I, I since had forgotten. I remember the, the players in the conversation. I don't remember the why, but one, one, un, one person didn't know me specifically. Like he knew Greenberry Jeff, um, kind of, he was he was defi- uh, he was understandably the way he was. Uh, just he's, he's he was what makes us us. And one of my buddies came to the rescue and said, "No, if you know him, he's he's solid." And that and the guy goes, "I trust you." And it, it, problem solved. And I just remember mm-hmm. that those two guys. One of them, he still texts me every once in a while. He's actually the one when I was still I was doing transitioning out of Green Beret Land Firefighter Academy, and I was still doing like random side uh, indie shows up in, in when I lived near Denver. Wow. Uh, so I was just learning the pimping, networking, social yeah. media bull crap. But yeah. I had this really, in retrospect, really douchey cowboy shirtless model picture. Really stupid in retrospect. But he found it somewhere on IMDb. And in our whole uh, team building, he printed probably like 60, 70 of these bastards. And they were on any place that had a door. He had an 8 by 10 of this really douchey model picture of me toilets toilet stalls everywhere and he's to this day he's a buddy that still gives me shit and but if if he texts me and says you're bad jeff i'll trust him but pretty much everybody rings his sentiments as far as like ah we'll give him i'll give myself this shit like oh jeff your hair looks great or you've you know you've played a navy seal more than you played a green beret (laughs) right you know but it's all uh pure jest and none of it's been like with an ulterior like you're embarrassing us you know and since i don't go in the space of like, I think if people that go from our careers to the space of being like, if I was a shooter, if I was like a Instagram, like gun shooter or tactical trainer, there's probably more criticism to be had. Like, and whereas when I swing completely to the other fence, they're like, Oh, this is just, this is just Hollywood being Hollywood. Right. This, this, he's not disparaging us. Um, and I actually use that as a personal little litmus test in the background, as far as like, is this going to embarrass him or is it just going to be funny? Yeah. Like if they have me do some sort of abomination to wearing the green beret wrong, like I'll fight that to the, like if a Marine had to wear his dress blues wrong in the military or in a movie, I'm sure people would die. (laughs) Right. Like he would probably kill people. Yeah. You know, there's, there's some no, there's some deal breakers I would have, but I always try to keep that in mind as far as them. Like, are they going to give me shit? Are they going to be like, oh, that was pretty fucking cool, Jeff. You know? Yeah. I I lied because that, that that brings up a whole follow up question um, that I I do want to ask. Kind of your your dramaturgy that you need to do on set, like by nature of being an an actor with your background, being cast on a lot of shows where they're looking at your resume and going, okay, yeah, you're going to be here. Um, And especially when you talked about going in the audition room and knowing when you have to blunt the edges around the edges and when you got to, when you can be teeth bared. Mm -hmm. Um, Morally isn't the right word. What's the right word? Uh, your integrity. How do you do? You feel like you've had to compromise the integrity mm. of who you are sometimes to go, or do you feel like some that you're a value add that you come on set and it's like, hey, I th- I know tactfully how to insert 
a little dramaturgical perspective here and say, guys, mm. yeah, I know I'm not the writer, but yeah, yeah, this is a no-go area here or something like that. Is there anything like that that you've had to struggle with? Has that ever been an adjustment? Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, part one of that, there have been times where I've, like I said, I wouldn't say my integrity that it's, but it's, there has been, a, a, it has possibly overlapped a little into that, but I would say more of a, I've just had to mute who I I am, which could be mm-hmm. translated mm-hmm. as into a lack of integrity to me. It was just more like muting some parts. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, it could be as much as like, God, I posted a lot of pictures of me at a gun range this week. I should probably take that down because casting directors probably will see that. And in their eyes, they'll assume I'm a gun freak. And then they'll go down this, they could go down this rabbit hole of like, oh, he's probably this giant pro A flag on his truck guy and he's right. going to hate us. So right. like, so I'll mute stuff. So that sometimes feels disingenuous or like a possible integrity breach, but I know it's a game and I know right. I'm still, it's not like, I, I know I'm not a hypocrite. It's just like a self-censor. Uh, so that stuff is always there a little bit. Um, but yeah, when it comes to like stuff on set, um, I definitely over the years have learned to read the room. And a good buddy of mine, he's actually a Green Beret generation, maybe about a generation and a half older than me. He's been in the stunt industry forever, uh, like all the way from all the early Captain Americas, the very first few Fast and Furiouses. And he uh, he was a stunts or a consultant for one of the Transformers. And as the story I understand it goes, long version short, Somebody insisted on wearing something wrong. And my buddy steps up and told Mr. Michael Bay, that's not how it's done. You basically, you pay me to advise on how this stuff is done. Right. And as I understand it, he goes, this guy's going to wear it his way. He's so-and-so. And my buddy goes, all right, I did my part. I'm an advisor. Yep. The wardrobe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a Michael Bay freaking movie. And this is a super famous guy who people, you know, bent over and like, oh God, it's him. That's right. what pisses right. me off. Cause I'm like, you're freaking human. You're not a God. That's yeah. what irks me a little bit. Uh, I'll say that is definitely a thing, but that my, the green Bray buddy told me that story and that I'll, I always kept it. I've never forgotten that as far as like, what was I hired for? And so it's hard as hell to keep it isolated. Like, so I know I go in by default, if I'm a role as an actor, if they got me as an actor, I'm like, that is my job. But if I can read the room or if I find a way to politely yet professionally plug, Hey, I, you know, I know how to do this. I, I, there was a time I played a cop in a movie and I just knew enough about some law enforcement gun stuff, how belts are set up, that the wardrobe person was literally Googling images. And I was like, I, if you don't mind, I actually, you know, and she was receptive to it because she's cool. But had she shut me down, that frustration, I just would have had to swallow it. Because just like every other job on the planet, it ideally is collaborative. But at the end of the day, somebody's in charge of that lane. And and she's in charge of wardrobe. If I'm going to look like an embarrassment, I got I got hired to be the Green Beret. If it's a collaborative environment like that was, I was able to kind of schmooze and tell her what I was. She said, oh, here, yeah. She goes, she's like, oh, good. You put it up however you want. I don't want to deal with it. So that was collaborative. SEAL team, they're actually very receptive when they hire their actors. They actually very were very aware of my background. The advisors are all kind of pseudo buddies of mine. And they're like, just do what you think is best, you know, because they're just like, go forth and conquer. But you know, the times like my buddy said, they're just like, Oh, they're like noted, but I'm doing it my way. Yeah. So that's where ironically the military comes into place where I'm like, okay, some people, this is your lane. I'm not in charge of it. You know, if I'm doing Delta stuff and my Bravo says, I think you should trade, you know, you should crack this guy here. I'm like noted F off. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) So it is there and it's hard, especially the military stuff because of that integrity, because 
like you said, I, you know, my friends look at me crap, the Steven Seagal movie I died in. And actually that green Bray buddy was in it with me. And we went our, we went across this alley with our back to it uncleared. We both got shot in the back. This the most move, moronic move ever. And like, I preempted told people, I'm like, by the way, I put green Bray in this movie and I'm the first, I'm a real green Bray playing green Bray. I'm the first guy to die in the movie, you know, and I'm, I'm highly aware I got shot, you know? So, and we tried to kind of bring it up because they did the same thing, hiring us, knowing what we did. Yeah. But they're like, no, the director's like, we need you to get from here to here. And you need to look that way because we need you to get shot. And I'm like, so basically the premise yeah. was we actually need you to be an incompetent Green Beret in this scene and get shot in the back. So it, that's, it's, yeah, that's, it's infuriating, but yeah, I think career maturity has allowed me to see the why. And, and I, I use the Michael Bay one as an extreme of the least ideal. And I use the other extreme of like SEAL team to their credit as the best ideal, the most ideal where they're like, we know what you've done. Or the middle ground was that cop one where they're like, oh, you sound like, you know, you're doing go for it. Have fun. You know? Okay. This is your fault. Uh, Next time. Don't don't be, don't be so interesting. Cause I, 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 I've just got, I I do. I've got, I've got totally, this is so luxurious. Uh, I'm, I'm totally being indulgent by asking this, but one of the things that's sticking in my mind is, you're talking about the casting directors, which I can totally relate to and understand yes. and see where they would look, potentially misinterpret or interpret to their dissatisfaction, yeah. your social media posts, and you could have negative repercussions and what have you, um, career-wise. Mm-hmm. And the thought that comes to my mind is, <laughs> if we, I'm trying to think if I if I, this is going to come out as a <laughs> statement or a question, but let's, let's see how it goes. The thought that immediately came to my mind is if everyone had served in the military, they would have some ability to understand the hierarchy of accomplishments in the military and potentially then look at one's, like your career, anyone's career that had been in the military with a degree of perspective, knowledge, and maturity and be able to go, okay, I may agree, I may disagree, but I know how to interpret this. As opposed to making it uh, such a binary boogeyman thing of, okay, we're painting with broad brushstrokes and I have to extrapolate information out of pure ignorance, out of not knowing anything about the person I'm dealing with. And to my mind, this may not be the best example, but I'm going to go with it for right now and I'll edit it if if it really shits the bed. (laughs) Um, If you're a black guy and they're not and they look and go... Hey, that freaks me out. Your post, and you're like, yeah, but dude, you don't understand. This is something, something, something. Yep. And they're and they're looking, going, yeah, but I don't, um, I, I don't have any frame of reference for that. Everyone would bend over backwards to try to understand it more. Whereas with the veteran community, there's a sense of, um, you know, just making broad assumptions, broad based assumptions, instead of giving some grace and kind of in your own, in one's own judgmental mind, going, yeah. hey, maybe, maybe, um extend some courtesy to somebody who's made a voluntary choice, by the way, to be a veteran. Nobody's born a veteran. So maybe respect the choice and go, I'll I'll cut them some slack because I don't fucking know. Um, And I get, and and again, this is, I'm pontificating more than asking a question, which I didn't intend to do, but I I guess I'll put it to you. I mean, taking it out of the showbiz context, but as somebody, I think we're both on the same page as people that, potentially are a little concerned about the divide between not just civ mill, but Mm -hmm. even showbiz and military and how you interpret the veteran community. 
Um, what's the answer for that? I know that's a big bag no, of no, fucking problems you. to dump at your lap, but I mean, you know, I because because no, I, I don't right. I don't think the answer is for people like you or for that matter me or any other veteran to go. Hey, I gotta round the sharp edges of my personality to fit your ignorance. Um, I earned what the fuck I know, and it doesn't mean that yeah. I have to be right all the time, but it does mean I'm allowed to be me the same way everybody else is allowed to be themselves. Yeah. Is is there any value of what's what? What's the fix? What's the takeaway? Best that you can see. <laughs> no, that's beautiful. I think, yes, everything you said. Um, I think it's kind of like what you said uh, at the beginning about where, particularly for me in the Hollywood, like what you, one of your first questions was like, you know, why are, is it typical that people are really interested to ask this actor Greenberry, like why, like that's a big right. niche. Like, of course it's, it's eye catching. And I think part of that stuff comes from is like, to just use examples of like if a casting director hears oh we hear your waiter odds are that broad brush stroke of that actor that's in their audition room that's a waiter is probably going to be accurate because everybody's been a waiter in hollywood you know so they right. have a pretty accurate right. reference point or at least enough um uh, experiences to create a a wide accuracy you know like they they don't have to generalize they're like oh i've met asshole servers i've met great servers <laughs> right you know, they have right. a really wide Right, birth to make that judgment on. They, they, and they have, a, they can make an intelligent, informed. They have a lot of data points to exactly. reference. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas here, sadly, with like the veteran community, whether it's with military, with civilians, or especially within Hollywood, and obviously civilians into thin Hollywood, you're right. Like they don't have data points. They ironically have the end the movies they're making as their data points, and and right. entertaining military movies are PTSD, psychopaths, or just bearded. Or and then the media itself, not social media, but media and social right. media alone. If you're doing your job as a vet with it's running some sort of like survival business, you're going to be on the radar, good, bad, or indifferent. And they're like, oh, bearded guy with gun. And he's I know the other bearded guy with a gun that has a survival business and he's really intense. And he showed that one picture that was anti this candidate. So right, right. All right, I know right. is bearded guys with guns in the military are this guy. Right. Know? Right. So the only I, I, this is such a cliche. I love that word. I got to quit saying it. This is such a uh, cop out answer, I guess, but it's, it's education, I guess. And I think that would kind of be the no shit answer. But like you said, or when we said earlier, like back when everybody was in the military, like that was a given, almost like a, almost like, what is it, Sweden or where people or Jew, uh, Israel, where they're Israel, like, for, no, sure. yeah, where they have to serve. You just get it. Like, yeah. um, what's his name? Driver, the guy who played Darth Vader. Yeah, Adam Driver. The other Driver, yeah. the other, whatever Vader, whatever Darth. Kylo Ren. Yeah. Kylo Ren, yeah. yeah. Ren, yeah. yeah. Like, you could see he gets dark humor. He's in the military. He's a Marine. Right. I don't right. care what he did. You know, it's like he automatically has empathy. And so, you know, wives are not being sexist, but wives are supporting family members. They get the military, even though they didn't serve. But then, like, what, all jokes aside, what could be more non-military than the mill than hollywood nothing like what more wide differences could there be right wrong accurate inaccurate good bad or ugly and i it's just it's it's it is just ignorance and lack of education and we all as humans do it we categorize we like you said we take sure. those data points and we i we're all bad at it or we're bad at it or good at it you know like it's 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 human nature to see okay here's that if i'm driving through a part of town you're going to take those data points and make an assumption, but then wait until you're proven right or wrong. And I think 
uh, especially in that industry, like we you had talked about earlier, it's purely based on aesthetic and quick assumptions, quick, quick judgments. Right. And that's all it is. And so to me, the way I handle it and the way I would say it would be the loose answer is I, it shouldn't be using your other example, it shouldn't be the black dude or girl's job to fix the ignorance of the person. Right. It shouldn't be my job as a military vet to fit and not ignorance in a, in an idiot way. Like some I'm ignorant of some things just it means I don't of know. Right. But right. to use the definition of ignorance, it's not up to me to fix the ignorance of a casting director that assumes big tattooed vet is out to murder everybody. But I think a, a sense of awareness, a hyper awareness, it is going to be on the shoulders of like, well, what I did, at least in Hollywood, which could possibly be used as a template to answer your question is I was aware of that. I was, you know, sometimes I'll still defiantly put stuff in my manager be like, Jeff, you've got a lot of gun stuff this week, you know? Uh, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh crap. You know, I got, I got, you yeah. know, that's why I do have a personal like Instagram account so I can be like more me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so like, so but what I ended up doing was having a self-awareness through their eyes of again, not being uh, rude, but their ignorance. I'm like, like, so I, that's why I would go to auditions. I'd wear a bigger shirt. So I'm like, if I, or I would shave to look a little prettier versus beard and scraggly and, and not present, you know, so it sucks. We shouldn't have to live in a society where, where people have to counter others' ignorances. Um, but that's kind of my answer, at least within the, the, the realm of Hollywood is, I need to probably be assumptive when I meet a cast director, no matter how they talk, how, how Valley girl, they, he or she speaks, I can make it a safe assumption and I'm not, it's ironic. I have to use their yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To feed my assumption right. to feed my counter performance, literally and phys- metaphorically to feed their, what I assume to them to be. Yeah. And that's just, I think it's going to be take intelligence and, and self-awareness and, and, uh, yeah. And just to, yeah, it's reading the room. Unfortunately, it shouldn't be that way. You know, we shall be able to live in a utopia seeing a kumbaya, but I, I can safely say a thing of, excuse me, a feeling about a casting director and go, okay, I got to tone it down. Should you we know, be butthurt I, about it though? Or should we be big, fun. big boys about it? I mean, like the right answer know, is to be the better person. Yeah. Uh, but it's also like, uh, I hate this because I want to live in a world that's set the way I want it to be. You know, if everybody everybody ran it the way I would, I'd be great. But like, if, if a vet is going into Hollywood to expect Hollywood to run like the military or treat the military, you're in the wrong business. And I'm not saying that's the right answer because it pisses me off every other day for sure. Uh, But it's also like being pissed if you're going to work for NASCAR about your clothes are going to smell like tires and oil and fumes. Like, what did you expect? Um, There's no way to fix it. Um, but it can change, right? I mean, I, perceptions I so, can change. Think, you know, I think that's where, because it is such a small community, the military community within the entertainment industry, it does have a chance to change because it's it's like not literally, but if it's easier to change five people in the community versus thousands or hundreds of thousands, so it's a small enough community. I it, the word could get out, you know, the the ranks could mature, experiences could be shared, where I could tell the new veteran, like I've even told newer veterans, a lot of Green Berets come and approach me that want to like be in the stun industry. Yeah, and I'll tell, like preemptively tell them, just be ready to be assumed to be like you know an asshole killer or you know or pro whatever candidate. And they're gonna so right. I know you almost have to be ready to. You have to preemptively counter that. Don't react and counter it. You actually have to go in assuming X, Y, or Z to be ready for it. And I go, don't change who you are, but you got to 
read the room and be aware that this is the world you're not coming into. So I think that could help educate people to not come in with that chip on their shoulder, like you were saying. And, and we said earlier, we're like, you, I, I've been in the military. I deserve to be, this should transcend into a job and, and show them, prove them wrong, I guess. Like, that's a good way to put it is like, we could go out to prove them wrong. I, I hope I prove people wrong. Like, I know I have some eight by 10 headshots that like go, Oh, that guy is going to kill people. You know, it's, it's supposed to that headshot, but I love right. if they meet me, they're like, God, this guy's a rambling nerd that can do those things, but he can also act. He loves talking about theater. Like, Holy shit, I was wrong. You well, know? it's nice to show people the broad left and right limits of yeah, a person's like, capabilities yeah. and personality. And I would want, and yeah. I, I hope they would give me the same. And don't get me wrong. I just said all of that. And, but within that stuff, I make assumptions about people when I walk in the casting room. Sadly, most of the time I'm right. Because again, I know the, I know the jungle I'm in. Right. There are right. green beret casting directors, you know, it's just, I know where I'm at. I know what yeah. zip code I'm hanging out in. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, I think it could be fixed. It just is going to take, um, time and education. And, and I, like, it, I, I think the thing that, that, that disturbs me, I don't know if this has been your experience is when I see military folk go into an industry and change their value system to fit the industry as opposed to saying look i am bringing literally the definition of diversity literally yeah. bringing a diverse life experience to this industry so yeah. and i and i don't need to throw it in people's faces but i also don't need to renounce it and i don't yeah. need to adopt everyone's cultural shibboleths yeah. just to fit into this world yeah. And I'm seeing that in the world of finance. I'm seeing that in the world of theater. I'm seeing it yeah. in the world in showbiz writ large. Um, that I run into veterans in these different communities that are great people. And you're like, we have these shared experiences. And you're like, oh, yeah, I get it. And you go, whoa, but hold on. You're, you're, and I'm not casting aspersions. Like, I get the people need to abridge how they talk or sometimes present themselves. And that's mm -hmm. kind of the superficialities. But what jars me is when I see people kind of leaving, I'm like, dude, you know better. You know, yeah. you know why we did that. You, we yeah. did that because of X, Y, and Z. You know that. But it's like, no, I'm expected to leave that behind because I have to fit into this world. That's where I, I look and I go, okay, that's, that's a bit jarring to me. Do you see it's, that? I in, agree. Yeah, I see it. And I think I've probably been guilty of it here and there. Like, I like that you said the word renounce. Like, that, that's when you've transitioned into renounce. Like that's almost, that's almost, you've almost become atheist towards who huh. you were versus right. like muting that, that level thing. And I, yeah, I, I see it. I've probably initially early did it. Um, where, and like I said, there's that weird sweet spot of like, of, you know, I look at the tire guy, he's not running around going, I'm a tire guy, I'm a tire guy, I'm a tire guy. So I don't need to run around going, I was a green beret, I was a green beret, I was a green beret. But if right. it's an audition that needs me to be green beret, you bet your ass, I'm going to do the opposite or renounce it. But I think. The flip side of that, though, and this is a whole nother podcast, is that I'm in the middle of is like the military. I would loosely say also like maybe fire and EMS or, or, or law yeah. enforcement is one of those careers and jobs. And I'll even I will even not include like elite surgeons. Athletes might be another example that would go in this of a career or profession that it is whether you're literally working for 24 hours or not is who you are for 24 seven for a giant chunk of your life. So it is, this is like I said, a whole nother podcast where your identity and your purpose is defined by that experience. So the flip side of like renouncing it is also the flip side of 
where I'm sometimes still to this day struggling, where a lot of vets absolutely struggle, is that is your identity. Yeah. So that can also be repellent to your tire guy because it's like this guy is only a vet. He's only a Green Beret. That's all he is. He knows he hasn't been that for a few years, right? Like he, you know, so like right. the flip side of that, avoiding renouncing it is also like we such a business, like to feel to also not be that thing anymore. So yeah. the flip side of it, I think, is our responsibility, which is like I said, a whole nother podcast is is like that identity and purpose when it's gone, it can it can also be yeah. There's a sweet spot where you can yeah. possibly be unhealthily bound to that identity. Yes. Which which I know a handful of programs that are explicitly designed for those vets who spent, you know, spent, I'll just use my experience. Like you spend, if to take whatever I had and times that by three, so to spend 20 to 30 years as a green beret, and then you're done. That does, that wave of inertia doesn't just stop overnight. So of course the next 10 years of inertia is going to be there where every damn barbecue he's at, he's going to bring up a war story. Right. And it's, and, and right. that's not necessarily a bad thing, but that, that, that existence is just so, uh, unavoidable. And, and it's, it can, that's the flip side of it, not renouncing it, yeah. but also not, not just letting it go, but honoring no. it and keep, there's a yeah. sweet spot. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. renouncing it is like, yeah. to me, that's saying F you be proud of what you did. Right. Mute it if you have to, I'm not going to go to some board meeting and talk about like slaying fools and you know, like that's stupid. Right. Right. <laughs> but, or, or I'm not going to say green braids are bad. Like that is straight up renouncing. Right. You know, like right. I agree. I hundred percent agree. But then the flip side, I would say, is people need to make sure that their identity isn't tied to that. And that's the sweet spot. Like, I don't know the answer to that because I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I pimp out the Green Beret thing in my social media bio because it is, I do know it's a unique thing. Yeah. But you do, we as vets, uh, there is a risk run with that where like, it goes back to the, the, the Mike Rose mom thing. Are you going to spend 80, you know, if, if 20 years of, yeah. if I say for 20 years, I'm a, I used to be a Green Beret. It's like, well, what the hell were you present tense during that whole time? Right. Right. You know, and so there's that sweet spot of, of honoring it, but not renouncing it. I think there's I also, the answer. no, I, I, no, I'm with you. That's why I, I pimped you out on that. See if, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those that I think, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll just keep hashing through it. I yeah. do feel like the military and like you said, certain, um, certain lot, certain professions are such a, um, we talk about this at vet rep all the time about there's a, um, and we talk about what makes a veteran unique. The, my standard stump speech is to say it's a um, high volume of significant emotional events in a relatively compressed period of time, relatively early in life. Hundred percent. Those, those. That's Beautiful. what makes a veteran a veteran, and that's what makes them a special. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not that they're stronger, faster, better looking than anybody else, but that's that to me yeah. is it. But the, the the flip side of that of that definition is therefore, if you've had that high volume of significant emotional events, you can when you leave. You're suddenly going to need time to unpack because you haven't had the time to process and it hasn't been something like, Hey, I got divorced and that's traumatic, but I had a long time to process that because I was going through it for a long time. Yeah. It's like, no, there was, holy shit, I'm up high. Holy shit. I'm in a confined space. Holy shit. I'm, you know, in the yeah. block, in the box and see or whatever, you know, like there's yeah. all this different shit that's happened yeah. and, and I'm, and I'm been jerked in all these different ways. So now in the years to come, I mean, I find myself now like starting to go, holy shit, I'm drifting into a war story, but it's, and I realized, oh, it's because it's coming back to me. And there's a part of me that's going, did I really do that? Cause I don't have anything to fucking show for it. Like, I'm like, 
oh shit and it's just coming back to me and you're like if i don't say it ever it may not have ever really happened and i'll have nothing else to commemorate you know you know what i mean and it's a weird dynamic and that's not like and that's what makes it different than working at the dq and it's what works it make it makes it different than that time i was you know in a relationship for a long year like you know it's a different kind of experience and that's a it's a weird dynamic that we have in our community that i think makes us a different identity than if you just yeah. look at something that you're innately born with, yeah. like gender or race or something like that. Like these yeah. are choices we made, and therefore there's a number of experiences yes. that we have based on yes. those choices, and it's yeah. a different walk of life. Yeah, and I think your definition that you said of vet rep is like that's uh, the most succinct way I've I've ever heard it. To be honest with you, and I think it, it's weird because it sounds elitist, but I I like you said I can't think of any other. It's not the DQ. I, I can't think of any other existence like i know there's a thing in la called uh you've probably seen it pimped out here there's merging vets and players mvp I've oh a okay mine uh um, right. nfl commentary his name is jay glazer they started this gym oh, yeah. up in la and uh it's for vets and athletes merging vets and players um where because they don't necessarily have to share the experience of combat or losing a brother but they they ironically i never thought of it. so this is kind of an interesting take that the founder came up with is like they live eat and breathe this existence he's not saying playing a sport is the same as digging in the trenches but that no, loss sure. of identity the day yeah. i retire yeah was was fascinatingly parallel like my dad he's an amazing er physician but when he retired i saw a glimpse of the same thing like that's who he was forever it wasn't as acute like you said like you said early in life acute and extreme but it's still there was at least a parallel of, of empathy with that this is who I was forever. How do I, yeah. how do I get rid of that? And that loss of that, it, 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 yeah, it's, 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 there's having done that. I do kind of favor or I am biased about the military experience versus like an athlete or my dad as a physician, because like you said, it's, it's the, the going from an 11 to a zero and a zero to an 11 in such a, I, to this day, I, I, in an honorable reminiscent way, not in a whiny nostalgic way, still will look back and go, I, I've not done anything comparable. Like literally, <laughs> right. yes, I haven't done anything comparable, but as far as like those experiences jammed into that short amount of time, like you, I love that statement of yours. I don't think it can be done. And I don't think like, I remember one time, uh, that movie American sniper about yet another seal. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, this is long after my divorce, but there's a scene in there that if you extrapolated that to a career, there's a scene basically uh, the Bradley, uh, what's his name? Bradley Cooper's character was literally in a firefight from hell. Found out his mother, I, I, it's been a long time, but then it found out his wife was about ready to give birth. They did him a solid. They did this a lot right. with us and Grace. Right. Like they were right. like, go, we'll do you solid and get you home for yeah. the baby's birth. Yeah. And he was pretty much home the next day holding his baby. <laughs> Probably less than 24 hours, he was yeah. sending and receiving bullets. Yeah. And the way they portrayed that in the movie, I thought it was quite good. I'm getting chills telling you it. And I remember my ex and I, we don't talk, <laughs> but uh, I did email her after that and not in a please come back to me, baby. But it was, I emailed her going, hey, I, I, I don't excuse anything I did, X, Y, and Z, but I go, go watch that movie. And that was the first time I've seen a movie display that light switch in in an absurdly acute amount of time that that life is. Now take that into 20 years. Yeah. Like yeah. going from Stone Cold Killer to holding your baby and then having to go back to Stone Cold Killer. The human brain isn't meant to do that, let alone over a career. And depending on how, again, not knocking a radiology technician who works in the army, I, right, not right. knocking that. But if you do that for 20 years, your ups and downs are pretty plateau They're pretty cool. They're pretty chill. 
ours are insulin spikes all over the place. Right. And to go from that, like my dad was an ER doctor. He wasn't like a family practice doctor. So right. he had those, right. like, you know, his own right. spikes. And then you drag that out over time. There's no way to not, I don't want to say identify with that, but like you said, it's part of who you are. And sometimes it's, it, it it's, it's not the most, uh, it's not the most conducive for what's left after you leave that, you know, what's left over, you know, and therein lies all the, you know, you could say divorce rates. I mean, there's a reason for all of that. And I don't know if there's an answer for all of it, but I guess self-awareness and intelligence and, and even the conversations like you just had with, with your vet rep people, with your opening statement, like that awareness is like might smack some people to make them go, Oh, this explains well, that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and not to make this a commercial for, for vet rep, but I mean, but that is the, the belief system behind it is that like to unpack art, whatever artistic medium you choose 100%. is important, right? Yeah. Cause they, cause now it's a chance to not just be the guy at the end of the bar, boring yeah. people with no shit there. I was stories, but now well, it's like, a reason. there's stuff, yeah. there's a way to exploit this and get it out of my system and get it no, yeah. in a way that others can understand and appreciate. Yeah. Yeah, you know? It doesn't have to be a commercial. You're hundred percent. I'll hundred percent. I'll commercial it for you. That's why those kind of your programs yeah. are important is because it allows bets to not sit there. Like you said, at the end of the bar or I mean, all the horror stories you can hear. And like at Strasburg, I worked with a really good guy, but he's a Marine. He's still Strasburg for him, it it was there was actually an instructor that was really good about it because sometimes method acting gets a little bit yeah a really bad rep and some people fall, yeah. fall for it and they yeah. it's, you've truly studied it. It's not as Jared Ledoe and and, and um, whatever his name Daniel Day Craigie as people make it sound yeah, yeah yeah but some people go in there thinking that's what it could be especially younger more immature people in their in their lives and careers and there's this one instructor he and I became good friends because again I was the oldest person in the school. He, uh, he would always tell me stories of where I actually saw him do this in class once where somebody was getting all methody and they're like, they were damaged from their performance. Like, oh, shit, like I gotta go, I gotta go think and relax. And he's like, if you're here for therapy, you are not here for the right reasons. Go get therapy, then come back. And there was a Marine vet, great guy, but he still was unpacking a lot of his shit. And I'm not judging whether it was yeah. right or wrong, but it it had affected him the way it did. And it was fucking with his performances because it was fucking with him. I'm not saying turn in a bad performance. I don't give a shit. Right. But it was that it wasn't uh, helping project it like the way you were just saying, you know, the commercial yeah. that rep. It, yeah. it wasn't helping channel it in a healthy way or urge it or whatever. Yeah. It was reliving it for him, which wasn't the right. That's not the right way. Yeah. And yeah. so that's where I think, and it's ironic. This is definitely pitchy for you guys, but I genuinely mean it like. That's what's ironic about the the military, especially if it's like some infantry or Green Berets or whatever, where there's like an automatic assumption that arts would be the antithesis, which, yeah, it's the antithesis of running around with a gun kicking in a door. But ironically, sometimes that's where I think most vets are surprised by like, oh, this is actually helping me deal with this shit out yeah. with a gun. Yeah. And it's, it's ironic that the most antithetical thing that you could think of. Yeah pottery whatever you want to do yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah for some reason that that rambo sitting up in the woods claymation or bird watching for some reason that's the most surprising thing for vets is like they don't they don't need to go continue shooting guns at a gun range to get their therapy they actually might need to go act acting obviously you and i are biased too but performing it has a much God, i yeah. would say maybe drawing if you have that knack that like that helps you purge something somehow yeah but i, I would still be biased towards the performance of acting it if done right through you know, your like tutelage, like that can help people go get this shit out of them. You know, like it's, it's a weird. Yeah. And we're, we're cutthroat to be, to be fair. Right? Cause I'm like, we're like, That's I always awesome. tell our people, I'm like, we're not here for therapy. 
I was like, we're here when you, when you found art through therapy and you want a paying audience to come see awesome. it, then we're, then, yeah. then we're here for you. And I humbly submit that's the best therapy when people are willing to pay their hard earned dollars. That's my point. Yeah. Harm. If it but, becomes you know, therapeutic, yeah. great, yeah. but it doesn't yeah. need to be therapy. And yeah. I think that is, that's the sweet spot. And I think it should be anything. I, I mean, you could, I, I love there are days where I, if not to be all dark, but like, I think anybody can relate to this. If you don't feel like you have a sense of purpose, that's the worst yeah. thing on the planet. And vets, yeah. I think have it huge. But if I can go, some days like the little victories, this is definitely getting like huggy and long and deep, but like the little victories of like, if you just go mow the lawn, like you served a purpose that day. Sometimes you're like, I don't have to, yeah. I, I didn't have to, yeah. send, I didn't have to go kill three terrorists and five, save five hostages, you know? And sometimes it right. might, a vet would go, well, that's pretty pathetic, but it's those baby steps in the reverse of finding the, you know, finding the purpose to create that character and you get therapy out of it, going to work on your Harley or whatever, like for me, prior to the military, I know I'm just on a tangent here, but pre-prior mm. to the military, to me, that was like a to-do list. Yeah. And now I'm realizing those things. Yeah, to-do lists still exist. Don't get me wrong. I freaking hate taking out the trash and mowing the lawn. But you can now realize like purpose can come from other things you thought were like just tasks in the past. You know, and so, I think that's where yeah. performance performances start can fall for a lot of guys if or guys and girls if they if they give it a chance. So at the at the risk of like putting on Dave Matthews and putting on a lull of a lamp and, you know, dimming the lights and getting all fucking oh, yeah. sophomore that college dorm room thing yeah, with, yeah, the, yeah. with us. Um, the, the other thought that's coming to me is there's an inherent, um, I went so far down the rabbit hole. Now I can't get my thought back. What was it? Um, yeah. So if I don't think that it's just that, yes, you can find purpose in your chores and all that, but I think, to be fully used up in a in the best way possible, to have fully given yourself throughout life in in the best way possible. I think it's I think it's literally um, you're filling your tank up with all these experiences, and your job is then to drain it and drain it in a way that the runoff goes to people that will benefit from it. Whether it's a civilian audience, whether it's family members, yeah. whoever's going to benefit, and if it's mowing the lawn. And doing chores, and this is the best way to communicate yeah. your experience, your values, and all, and and that lived experience to others. Then great, but that that the military experience, and I, I I'm just having this epiphany, kind of talking to you, so I'm going to sound it out, think it out yeah. loud, and you can tell me if I'm off base. But I feel like all those lived experiences as a veteran are just the first half of the equation, and there has to be, and that's where we go wrong is we think it's come to an end when we get out. That's just the first half. The yeah. second half is now how you exploit all those experiences. And I'm, I always say exploit, and I think people look at me weird. You with the ASOP background, I think no under, understand how what I mean yeah. by exploit. Maximize right? it. Maximize, the, maximize, it's, maximize yeah. the effect of it. And it's like, so so if that's just the first half of the equation, the second half is how how do you best yeah. Yeah, you put that out and give it back and f- funnel it, irrigate back out into the ecosystem that you live in. Does that make like, sense? No, Am I crazy? I, no, no, it actually, I, I, I've never thought of it that way, but you're absolutely right because people, and I'm now with you hundred percent. Like I never thought of it that way because yeah, you'll go military career over. It, it, you think linearly and it's, and it's in its own little isolated tube. Whereas now, and I'm not, I'm still, this is very much a work in progress for me is now this is really uh, this uh, little Dave Matthews hippie ish here, but like without dark, can't, there can't be light. So I'm not saying my military career was dark, but I sure as hell should more daily, which I don't like Betty and I, I've done this for years. Uh, Betty got to feel this year for Memorial day. 
Um, I actually watch it's it's not meant to be dark, but I don't go watch some uplifting Top Gun two movie. I actually watch Black Hawk Down. I'll watch uh, Thirteen Hours. Ones that remind me like holy shit, yeah. people died. Yeah. Uh, so it's a little somber. Um, and her and I were watching that, and it it may it I do it for personal reasons and honor and all that crud. But I genuinely, without I should, we should, people should, but I should, I know for sure, realize that I because I lived through something, I should appreciate life. Like those are the things to exploit from that career, like you're saying. And I think, or I know I'm not great at it. Like, because to me, and this is fascinating. I'm this is mind-boggling. This is gonna shock me all day now. To what you just said is like, yeah, I just assumed military career, I did these things, but what can I get from them? Like what what's the other side of the gang what's that was the yin now i got to find the yeah yang. I, yeah like and that's that should in theory because it's not working at dq that should because of at least my experience that was some of the most extreme experiences a human can go through for me that should provide me some like again the dq guy doesn't know what it's like to possibly die so they probably might not appreciate life they might later cool everybody's individual but i should fucking daily go i am lucky to be alive i value this life look at this dirt i'm lucky to have these <laughs> shoes you know, right. like that kind right. of shit. And we, again, this is all old man's shit here, but we take that stuff for granted. Like, yeah. remember, remember, I don't know, like there, I re- read somewhere where, uh, somebody said something like, if you're an adult, look through your house right now and imagine what the kid version you would have said, would have thought if they realized they had all those things, mm. something along those lines. Like I couldn't have, I have a, that punching guy right here. I can't they call it the Bob thing. Yeah. 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 $300 punching bag yeah. in, in junior high. I didn't have $300 laying around. I didn't have $300 laying around. I bought this, but if somebody gave me that, I would have lost my mind. Cause that would be the biggest gift of my year, you know? And that was that perspective that was gained from not having something. So like my career in the military, I'm lucky to be alive. I love that you're thinking, like you said, like, yeah, we think of it in this like experience isolated vacuum that has nothing to do with anything else. Yeah. Like I should value life. Yeah. Uh, I should value, yeah, my knees hurt, but I'm lucky I have them because I know a lot of guys that don't even have legs. Yeah. And I could just, the whole time you were talking, I was just thinking of all these yin yang scenarios. Yeah. That I know we don't take, we do not think of because, like you said, it's very interesting. We think linear, done. What did I get from right. other than all I remember is the bad? You know, right. people died. Right. Okay. But I lived. You know, it's right. the other side of the equation. I think you're absolutely, I know you're absolutely, at least for me, that absolutely is fascinatingly acutely true. Well, your that's, fault. That's, I mean, uh, that just came that, that came from this late night dorm room bolt session. You know, <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah, that input output. I gotta. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, gonna put out more of that on that. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking. Um, dude, this has been, dude. Okay, so uh, it was an hour ago. I was like, hey, last question. I don't want to take too much of your day. Oh, this, is, this, this has fun. been a fucking blast, man. Um, come back. Let's do this again sometime. Obviously, we can, and I will. No, I love this shit. Like, not to be all huggy, but like this. This will be my little wrap up thing. Like. Yeah, this, we just, I don't, I would never use, I don't want to use, like, I have bad habits with, with vernacular. I choose to use it sometimes. It's quite negative. So I was about to say we just lost three hours already. I need to not think that because I truly don't think I lost three hours. Yes, we didn't put money on a pay, our table. We didn't put, put t- I didn't buy food for us. I didn't make a dollar, whatever. I don't give a shit. But I got more out of these three hours than sitting up there watching TV going, I don't have a job or <laughs> I don't, you know, I didn't get my yeah. job. So like that, I genuinely get a lot of shit out of this. So I'll hundred percent do this again. Well, it was, it was an absolute fucking pleasure. <laughs> well, good. Uh, it was selfish for me too. And I felt, um, thanks for indulging me. And I'm glad you got as much out of it as I did. If, if, if you did. And, uh, yeah, let's do this again. I'm guessing you're gonna walk through my house stunned now for a bit. Just kind of going, <laughs> I'll go back to the, the Ron or the, uh, bill or, uh, 
uh, Will Ferrell character. What, what happened? I blocked out. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Thanks, man. I really do. That was the savage wonder of Jeff Bosley. Pretty fucking great conversation. Huh? I, I really enjoyed the hell out of that. You guys, if you've uh, listened through this whole thing, um, thank you. I think it was worth it. I think you guys, if you're still listening, or still listening because you enjoyed the hell out of it. And I don't blame you. Um, but I won't uh, drag this on and on and on. Um, obviously, thanks to Jeff for being so generous with his time and coming on and uh, really indulging us with just one great conversation. Vet rep. Okay. So if you guys aren't already tracking who we are, what we're about, uh, Veterans Repertory Theater, everything you need to know about us, you can find out at vetrep.org, V-E-T-R-E-P.org, vetrep.org. While you're there, what I would suggest you do is go to the homepage, scroll down slightly, and you'll see the opportunity to subscribe for free to our literary blog. And when you do that, you will get a little daily dose of veteran writing followed by a bunch of shameless plugs, which is the best way to know everything going on with us at any given time. Um, as for who we are, well, you guys should already know that, but if you don't, Veterans Repertory Theater is a tax-exempt nonprofit 501c3 organization, which provides a platform for veterans to create compelling live theater and events. Uh, I need to thank our producer, Mike Neal, for putting this episode together. And of course, I need to thank Jeff Bosley for coming on and just having a great time with us. I'm Christopher Paul Meyer on behalf of everyone at Veterans Repertory Theater. See you next time when we dive further into the savage wonder of veterans in the arts. <laughs>